0: This week, on Out Now with Aaron and we are talking Little Women and 1917, plus our final reviews of 2019.
1: It's all come down to this. Directed by Aaron Neuwirth. Shot by Roger Deakins. We are now recording, and this is out now with Aaron and Abe. I am Aaron, and as always, this is Abe. Hello. Out now is a film podcast where Abe and I discuss new movies weekly. We cover some various movie topics. Jump into a most spoiler review, then jump back to other fun movie topics. This is a, this is a bonus episode. Bonus. Um, yeah, this is a b- b- bonus episode right now. <laughs> this this is uh these are the final 2019 reviews, essentially, before we get to our top ten next week and start going into a new year. Mm-hmm. All right. Abe, you might still be catching up on certain movies in the in the early it. weeks of January. But as far as new new reviews for movies that came out this year, this is the this is the final one before we wrap right. it all up. Right, <laughs> so, Yeah, so final one you...
0: of uh, the the year. It's kind of a uh, you know, it's kind of bittersweet
1: a sleep but hey we got a, we got a pack show we don't have any guests it's just Dave and I this week but we have a pack show because we got it's a classic a, throwback Exactly classic throwback <laughs> a, a TCB uh, a, C, <laughs> a CTB sorry <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah we uh we're gonna come we're, we're we're gonna throw in some some main reviews for uh, 1917 and little women we'll get to those and we have some other things that each of us have seen individually we want to kind of get to as well so we will we'll have a lot quite a bit of discussion here about the various movies that have come out very recently and, um, got some trade. We, we got all the other stuff as well. Um, so yeah, let's, um, let's get Let's get to some show notes real quick. Sure. Uh, first up, uh, it's a new commentary track that's been up for pretty much all month. Our Revenge of the Sith commentary, uh, to co to correspond with uh, the Star Wars movie that released. Speaking of which, Abe, you edited, you put together a uh, Skywalker bonus episode for us. Yeah.
0: No, it was a short little, uh, out of nights, just going a little bit more into some of, uh, No additional thoughts on Reza Skywalker.
1: Yeah, so that's up there now, too. And uh, by the time of this recording, you should know that the Cats bonus episode is up as well. Professor Mike Dillon joined us for that one. And, uh, yeah, we had opinions on cats. (laughs) We did. We did. So, yeah, all that bonus content, all that good bonus content, that sweet, sweet bonus content is up there on iTunes for free. Speaking of which, iTunes reviews and ratings, it is good to get those. It helps out our show. It helps other people find our show. If you want to log on iTunes, search for Out Now with Aaron and Abe, you can find the aforementioned commentary track, the Rise of Skywalker bonus episode, and the Cats bonus episode, along with like 300 or more other episodes, all there. And by doing that, you could be like, wow, that's a lot of stuff to listen to. I should probably review this to tell them how great of a job they're doing. That's a good idea. You can click the little <laughs> review thing, give us a star rating review, that'd be great. Positive energy and good feedback. <laughs> all right. With all that in mind... Let's um, let's jump straight into a trailer talk. We have uh, every time you know in December when there's some new blockbusters rolling out, you get a number of trailers to correspond with them because hey, that's a good that's a good marketing platform for your trailers. So we mm-hmm. have a few here we have not gone over yet, so we wanted to get to those. Uh, first up is the upcoming Black Widow, the next MCU film which features Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow in her own standalone film. Um, it's directed by Kate Shortland uh best known for uh, some smaller thrillers here and there um what's the one berlin syndrome i think is the main one that got her a lot of notoriety um it also features david harbour florence Pugh, and rachel Vise. Uh, yeah hey where are you at with uh black widow
0: where i'm at with black widow uh i like black widow the character i like that she you know lost her accent throughout the this movie marvel universe series um, her hair color keeps changing I liked it I think the best in Infinity War that was a question on Twitter from like last year or something or this year perhaps uh, but as far as the trailer goes it's a good trailer I, I really do like it I, I just sort of am wondering where it could go from here I mean we've learned a lot about Black Widow and her not ultimately everything about her uh, her past in the movies that we've seen but uh, I am curious what they can do to expand on it knowing that she's been trained to be an assassin her whole life i maybe the family dynamic adds a certain beat that uh was kind of missing from the from the other movies but um you know it looks like a really good action movie and let's see how it goes i, I like some of the little easter egg things like when the marvel logo disappears it sh- goes into the shape of like a, ba- a black widow's like hourglass thing um so pretty neat stuff but
1: um yeah we'll see i like that it's kind of more in the Captain America vibe as far as being like a straight up action movie, like as opposed to like a more fantastical movie, like going into space or dealing with wizards or whatnot. Um, I, I am curious how this will fit into things. I have like a certain level of confidence in the, the MCU just because they're pretty good at like making these timelines work. I am the, the film is set after uh, civil war so before Infinity War, but after Civil War, so it's like that's a interesting place to put a film like this. I'm curious what kind of adventure <laughs> we, we like apparently need to see that involves the Black Widow character and how that's going to like I guess retroactively inform her before the events of the Infinity War saga. Endgame. Yeah, specifically Endgame. Yeah, yeah. Like because it's you know as of now looking at this, you're just like, well, I mean. There's closure to the characters, so what more do we really need to know, right? So it's like, what what can this movie do? That said, you got a good supporting cast here. like they make up like this Russian Incredibles team apparently as far as the family's <laughs> concerned. Um, I know Taskmaster is one of the villains. At the same time. these movies, you get a villain. Uh, generally, they're played by one of the main actors. I'm looking at you, Rachel Vice. I'm just oh, saying. Man. Oh man! I was like, "Wait, are you looking at David Harbor?" No, David Harbor seems like he's having the time he, of his he's life. He's the goofy dad. Play, playing da- Russian American uh, Captain Russian, uh, right?
0: He's the he's the the Russian Danny Tanner.
1: Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Rachel, it's not a lot to do in this trailer. Makes me think, well... Now yeah, now you're making me think.
0: <laughs> i was like, maybe. There is some subversion going on here. I mean, and I thought they were
1: a you cast, family. You, you cast Robert Redford in your Captain America movie and don't give him much to do until the movie happens. That like, guy hmm, was I super I was why he was uh, here the whole time. Oh, it's because he's he, the villain.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, what he does in that movie, when I when his, his housekeeper is there, I was like, whoa, they really made him a bad guy here. <laughs>
1: She was also just We're job. talking about
0: just cool. watch that clip on YouTube, and you'll be like,
1: "Oh wow!" I, I'm pretty sure people that listen to the show probably watch <laughs> Captain America: The Winter Soldier, but yeah. Um, uh, well, yeah. Any anything else on Black Widow?
0: I mean, pretty much what you said there. Yeah. I, I how it informs us before what happens in the events of Endgame. i I am curious, but you know, um, I do want to say that Florence Pugh. We'll, we'll get to it a little bit later too. Solid last this year, and gonna be like looks like it's going to be another solid year for her next year.
1: She's got a lot of roles, that's for sure. Yeah. Paxing um, up a storm. Well, yeah, Black Widow is the kick, summer kickoff movie next year. It opens May 1st, 2020, so there's that one. Uh, let's see. The next big trailer we're talking about is Wonder Woman 1984, or WW84. <laughs> um, this is the sequel to Wonder Woman, of course. It's once again directed by Patty Jenkins, it once again features Gal Gadot, it also now stars uh, Kristen Wiig and Pedro Pascal, along with a returning Robin Wright, Connie Nielsen, and Chris Pine. Yeah, um, all, from the dead. At least two of these characters had died. In the <laughs> series, so. Maybe all the scenes with Chris Pine will be flashback sequences. Well, we know for sure, like, we're going back to, the, what is it, thermos, Thermoscyra? Um, so yeah. that like that'll have that'll be flashback stuff, but in terms of yeah. Chris Pine, like he's up there in the eighties with her, and he looks like Chris Pine, so it's not like it's he, not he a hologram. A, he didn't pull a Captain America in time travels. <laughs> <So. laughs>
0: Maybe all he collected all the Infinity Stones. You he is know.
1: he is a Chris in a superhero universe, so it seemed likely, but I guess that's not the case. <laughs> but,
0: and one of the favorite Chrises in Hollywood,
1: yeah. But um, with all that, I'll start with this one. Um, yeah. What I think is most interesting is that Patty Jenkins is back with basically a license to do whatever she wants as a director this time around it puts it in a position I think is similar to something like Batman Returns where the first movie it's like yes we're making a Wonder Woman movie or we're making a Batman movie and we're gonna make it you know that's something that fits for a studio that's gonna do what we wanted to do be a blockbuster what have you and because that because that film became such a huge success Tim Burton and Batman Returns was able to just go like go off and make a movie that was far more skewed towards what he likes in movies and what he wants to do versus you know what what makes a quote-unquote best Batman movie uh, this movie between Jenkins what I assume is a more of a free reign to do what she wants to do with the character as well as DC's seeming commitment to letting the filmmakers do more of their work in recent years looking at Shazam and Aquaman uh, and basically just not the team-up films or the Zack Snyder era it seems like there's more room to breathe outside of what the studio demands while still being, you know, a giant studio blockbuster. So Mm -hmm. I'm very curious what that's going to look like in this final film. As it stands, it looks like a fun, colorful, like the color use in this film with the eighties and all really, it's really emphasized here. Oh yeah. And there's, there's a lot to go on as far as just setting it in that kind of atmosphere and letting this character be involved here again. (laughs) I, because it's set before what justice league and Batman v Superman, it's like, so we have to once again fill in the gaps on what this character is doing in this time. <laughs> and um, so, she's museum curating, I guess. <laughs> um, but uh, no, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of like interesting stuff involving like, I mean, you, you can never, we can never trust uh, Pedro Pascal apparently, unless he's looking after baby Yoda. Like that's the
0: only time. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing as like, unless he's like with he's like a mercenaries yeah. in um, uh, the Ben Affleck movie uh, mm-hmm. on Netflix or yeah, unless he's like watching baby Yoda. Yeah.
1: Hey, where are you at with this?
0: You know, this trailer is interesting because like what you said here, Patty Jenkins has, uh, the team is back. Basically the collaborative team is back. Patty Jenkins is back. And, and, um, what I am curious about is the theme of loss, I guess, in this one. Um, cause we know what happens with Chris Pine's character from Wonder Woman. And for it to appear here, I am curious what she's been going through for the past X number of years. And then also how she's going to, I guess, deal with it now. Um, as far as all the action and whatever else goes, yeah, it's fun to see all the sets and it's fun to see Kristen Wiig with big poofy hair and everyone wearing fanny packs and whatever else. So it's, it's a nice throwback to when we were born. Um, but at the same time, uh, as far as everything else goes, you know, we've seen Wonder woman now stand out in justice league. We've seen her stand out in her own movie and we've also seen her stand out in a little bit of Batman versus Superman. Um, maybe a lot of it actually. Uh, but she's already been a standout character. So, you know, it can only uh, meet that level of expectation or exceed it. And I am curious to see where it goes from there.
1: Yeah. Um, and that riding the lightning thing. That's I have not seen that before. That's, I that was pretty, that was pretty cool. I was like, what, do, what do you think? Shazam could do that. I mean, <laughs> Shazam be... Shazam's problem is like every time you say Shazam, it's not just that he turns to Shazam, it's like there's a giant lightning explosion by him, so it's like, how do you harness that? So
0: I guess he is riding lightning already.
1: I guess that's for the sequel, Shazamming. <laughs> yeah still shazamming yeah it's where it there's no action in the movie he's just in his room constantly listening to like new playlists and like shazamming because he can't find the track in time
0: oh man that's a bummer he should use android get google listen
1: yeah well then he but then he goes then he, <laughs> jamie fox co-stars because he goes on the shazam like can you beat shazam that tv show that he hosts there. <laughs> this is a deep cut it's yeah there's it's a, there's a lot of drama it's let me all tell you. connected yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's basically about shazam going on to a game show so. <laughs>
0: That, that actually would be a fun script if you write that. Just like Shazam. Well, Wonder Woman would be on the game show too, I assume. Because they're, they're both like fish out of water type things.
1: Yeah. I don't and, know. and Cyborg. Just throw him in there. Sure, yeah. After a football game. The ultimate fish out of the water. <laughs> um, <laughs> Wonder Woman. I don't know what's going on now? <laughs> 1984. It opens uh, June 4th. Uh, wow. Okay. Right, yeah. which is uh, like I think three years to the day of when the first one opened. But,
0: uh, so it's basically going to have legs for the whole summer. I mean, it could,
1: in terms of what's coming out this summer. I we'll get to our summer gamble in May, but I mean, it's a sure. It seems like a surefire winner to be one of the. Yeah. If oh, not I have no what it film.
0: did last time.
1: <laughs> uh, next film we have is a Ghostbusters colon Afterlife. The Canonically, third chapter. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, how would you distract Trailer, it? the yeah. fourth Ghostbusters film total, but mm-hmm. the apparently directly connected to the original two Ghostbusters. Um, it's directed by Jason Reitman, son of Ghostbusters director Ivan Reitman. Mm-hmm. It comes from a story to, uh, from Reitman and Gil Keenan, director of Monster House, a now now a favorite on the show. Yeah, one that will always rep. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And it features. Uh, McKenna Grace and Finn Wolfhard as two kids living with their mom, Carrie Carrie Coon, who now live somewhere out in Oklahoma.
0: That was Carrie Coon?
1: Yeah. Um. Apparently at the home of what is eventually revealed to be Egon Spangler's, like, I guess, farmhouse <laughs> in, the, in the Midwest. <laughs> he left New York and he's like, you know, this is too much ghost activity for me. Something like that. But uh-huh. um, Paul Rudd plays a teacher in this movie who, uh, I guess, lear- learns of th- learns of things strange things going on and tries to remind these kids of these events from 1984 where the Ghostbusters helped save the world, only for the kids to be oblivious to the fact that there were <laughs> something called Ghostbusters. But it seems like things are changing because ghosts are returning and all that. Hey, where are you with Ghostbusters Afterlife?
0: Ghostbusters Afterlife is uh, it's a good trailer. I, I think that it's a well-done cut trailer in that it doesn't veer too hard toward one way or another. And what I mean by that is um, it doesn't veer toward, hey, here's a bunch of comedy or here's like all this ghost stuff and let's see what we can mix here. It, it's kind of like it burrows itself a little bit in the way that uh, the original Films trailer sort of did, which is, hey, something weird is going on here, um, and then you're going to find out that what it is. I mean, we already know what it is, because we I'm presumably all seen Ghostbusters. Um, but as the trailer goes along here, I'm I'm pretty on board with these kids' ghostbusting. Um, if we want to get into some of the controversy from the last, quote-unquote, controversy from the last one, which I think you and I enjoyed, um, you
1: yeah. know. it was it was a, a f- it was a fine film.
0: Yeah, it's a fine film, and make they also off. connected it to the the previous Ghostbusters installments too. So uh, I don't know how they're going to treat it, but I, you know, Jason Reitman's been very diplomatic about the way that he's described the trailer and the fans on Twitter. Um, so that's good that he's sort of acknowledging that the uh, Melissa McCarthy and um, Chris Wigg Christian Wig, and Jones, Jones, and, Wesley and, and, and uh, who's the other Kate McKinnon. SNL Kate McKinnon, um movie exists so. and, and,
1: and Chris Hemsworth of course
0: yeah I mean that guy's fucking hilarious He's <laughs> like got glasses with no with no lenses in it. Uh, but yeah the trailer I, I did like the trailer I, I am curious to see how it's all gonna work out but to be honest like who's the who's the young girl that that is in it
1: McKenna McKenna Grace McKenna
0: Grace she's on a roll right now. And, and I actually really like her in movies. She's, she's a, a, a good actress to see on the screen. So I am curious to see how her character develops and who doesn't love Paul Rudd, right? Yeah. Paul Rudd certainly
1: like a big coup for this movie. As far yeah. as like, it's like, well, you can hate the fact that we didn't use the women again, but Hey, we got Paul Rudd here. Like that seems yeah. like a weird, like compromise. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I didn't see this coming i'll say that as far not that as far as the trailer but in terms of like the announcement of this movie it's like oh they're they're doing ghostbusters again so soon <laughs> and like as a and it worked it really feels like a a redo and that was like okay i get and then jason reitman's announced like all right that's mm-hmm. there's a lot there's a lot of lot to read into on that but as far as this trailer goes yeah it looks fine i i it certainly seems to be going for a. Not that it. I mean, it's set in modern day, but you can't deny that there's a kind of nostalgic vibe going on as far as the look of things. Uh, especially when you have like Finn Wolfhard hanging out with other kids and stuff. It's like yeah, you can't not think of Stranger Things, and there are actual Stranger Things happening in this. He hometown. was
0: he was still filming Goldfinch in this in this time frame.
1: That's why he's using the Russian
0: accent, of course. <laughs> um,
1: it's, it's really strange he's choice.
0: Massive amounts of cocaine.
1: Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I know there's been a lot of concerns like, aren't these movies supposed to be funny? And this trailer like has no humor in it whatsoever, right. um, except for a line that Phil Wolfhardt has. Remember, when we died under the the, the table. That, that's a funny line. It's semi, uh, yeah, <laughs> it made me smile. Um, yeah. but like, I get it. I get that you're, you know, you're setting up a teaser. So it's, you know, the next trailer will be like, you know, be the jokes, and you'll have like all the, some of maybe some of the cameos we know. You're,
0: you're gonna see, um. Which I'm gonna call it, for sure. No,
1: Slimer will be up there, yeah. It'll be, that'll be the tag at the end of the trailer. It'll be him eating hot dogs or something. It'll be like, ah, like blah, blah, blah. It <laughs> We know that there's gonna be cameos from every single Ghostbuster at this Is point. Is that true? Yeah, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Ernie Hudson, Sigourney Weaver, and Annie Potts are all gonna be involved in the in some way or another. I'll be curious how what to what extent. Photos of Egon too. I, I hope photos of Egon. i I mean, that you have to. I, I assume, yeah, photos for one thing. I really don't want there to be some kind of, like, CG ghosts. nonsense. Well, a ghost would be weird. I didn't, weir- I didn't even go- think about that. A ghost would be weird because, like, ghosts are, in this universe, malevolent. Bad. They're yeah. bad. Like, they're not good. So it's like, why would Egon be a good... But also, that just be... Not only is Harold Ramis died, they've turned him into, like, a bad ghost? Like, that'd be a terrible decision.
0: No, it's like in Casper,
1: where the <laughs> <laughs> Bill Pullman comes back. But I... I don't I don't I don't want to see some like nonsense CG flashback either. And I, I hope not. I, mm-hmm.
0: No, I was going to say that that when you just said that right now, it, it sort of gave me a cringe factor because, you know, not we just as much as I actually don't really mind uncanny valleys. Like that's one of the things where it's like, why would you ever need to do this? Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, for, for this specific property.
1: I, I mean, if there's plenty of footage from, presumably, the two Ghostbusters movies that they could probably get around that uh, already. Or
0: even Orange County with uh,
1: Tom Hanks' son. Specifically, yes. Yeah, with Colin Hanks. Uh, yeah, of course. Orange County. The other go-to film when you need old footage. Of oh, Harold, Harold Ravis. or Or Knocked Up. We have with him as Seth There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'd like to think that because Bill Murray signed on to this for whatever capacity he has, that that would ensure the fact that there wouldn't be a Harold Ramis like de aging. Oh, I see Because yeah. I don't think Bill Murray would sign on if they're going to do something like that.
0: I don't. Know. He he has tons of respect for for uh, Ramis, and I know, yeah. You know, much to the point of at the Academy Awards, he shattered him out, yeah. and I was like, that was that was really kind. You know, that was off cards. You know, really nice. Uh, that your way was that year we watched it together?
1: Was that that you ever watched it together? Yeah, we were at Jordan's place.
0: Oh, wow. Back (laughs) up in uh, uh, Petaluma? Yeah. That was
1: a while ago. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, it's fun seeing the Ecto-1, like, drifting around grass fields. That's fun, right?
0: (laughs) No Matthew McConaughey in the front seat.
1: Well, it's not a Lincoln.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He drove him before he was paid to do the commercials. Did you know that?
1: Yeah. 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 (laughs) of course
0: those are lines from the Lincoln commercial ladies and gentlemen he was the Lincoln lawyer so I mean oh that only makes sense yeah it 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 was uh, all big marketing plug
1: yeah but he was also driving to Lincoln before he was the Lincoln lawyer before he he passed the bar (laughs) Uh, when he was just dazed and confused yeah that's what all actors do when they play lawyers in movies by the way they have to pass the bar it's the one method thing that every performer I'm pretty sure that's
0: what Leonardo DiCaprio did for yeah yeah he passed the
1: bar and the MCATs (laughs)
0: that's a tough one yeah he went full method he's he's more method than than, uh daniel day lewis
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah mcats um ghostbusters afterlife (laughs) opens (laughs) july 10th 2020 there you go three months three movies got that covered let's let's move on let's get to our first review let's talk about little women I'm working on a novel. It is a story of my life and my sisters. Make it short and spicy. And if the main character is a girl, make sure she's married by the end. Ow, Joe! I want to be an artist in Rome and be the best painter in the world. That's what you want too, isn't it, Joe? To be a famous writer. Yes, but it sounds
0: so crass when she says
1: My girls have a way of
0: getting into mischief.
1: Well, so do I. This is Meg, Amy, Beth, and Joe.
0: intend to make my own way in the world no one makes their own way
1: least of all a woman you'll need to marry well
0: you are not married aren't well much. that's
1: because i'm rich joe would you like to dance with me i can't because i scorched my dress and meg told me to keep still so no one
0: would see it i have an idea of how we can manage joe is a lost cause So you are your family's hope now. I believe we have some power over who we love. It isn't something that just happens to a person. I think the poets might disagree.
1: That should have been some of the trailer for Little Women. Uh, I'll just read a brief summary here. Four creative sisters come of age in America in the aftermath of the Civil War. Uh, The film is based off the very well-known Louisa May Alcott novel, um, it's directed by in, uh, adapted and directed by Greta Gerwig. This is there have been seven other cinematic adaptations of Little Women. There have been, I think, five or six TV shows and two anime. So, um, what this book has been adapted many, and let alone the basic concept has been adapted. This, this sure. has been a yes. well adapted story. Uh, so we have a new presentation of Little Women, which now stars Saoirse Ronan, Emma Watson, Florence Pugh, and Eliza Scanlon um, as the March sisters, along with Laura Dern as their mother, Timothy Chalamet as Laurie next door, uh, Meryl Streep as old aunt who's bitter all the time, uh, <laughs> but she's rich. <laughs> but she's rich. All of that and other actors. Uh, Abe, are you? Have you like seen other versions of Little Women? Are you familiar with the story at all? I
0: was going to start off by saying I have seen zero other versions. We're on the Am same page them? then. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We're on the same page then. Um, but I have seen no other versions. I am aware of the 1994? 1997? Yeah, 94, 94. yeah, the one with Winona Ryder um, and uh, Susan Sarandon. Uh, but I haven't seen it. Uh, I'm aware of the book. I'm aware of the premise of the book. Um, but I have not seen any versions. And then going into this, um, you know, Greta Gerwig, Lady Bird was my favorite move from last year. Greta Gerwig wrote and directed that. Semi-autobiographical. I mean, two years get, ago now. Either. Two years ago? Holy years cow. Ago, yeah. My favorite move from last year. Oh! <laughs> was it what
1: was it the writer it could have been uh um, it was the it was the writer yes okay <laughs> yeah. uh little women but, you obviously related to because you were a young girl growing up in sacramento this is exactly true in the
0: valley yeah, yeah. so um but with this movie you know i really like this movie I'm, I'm just gonna come out and say it i i really enjoyed the the way that this movie was crafted and what i mean by that is you know reading things online seems like it's out of linear order um and what i appreciate about it is that the linear the or the 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 non-linear way in which it's being told helps add value to the scene Uh, and so that I'm I'm actually even more immersed in what's going on here. And kind of like the hallmark of like a good movie to me is when I kind of get lost in it. Um, And by that, not that I don't know what's going on, but more just I'm just in it with the characters. I really want to know what the character is going to do, how they're going to operate, what the issues are going to be. Um and then how they're they're going to be resolved and in this movie I get really involved with all these sisters I mean specifically Joe, because we're we're sort of She's introduced
1: fact a to facto lead character yeah
0: right yeah we're introduced to her first and um you know one of her first uh, interactions in the movie is with her father from Lady Bird Tracy Letts uh, who is terrific uh, in almost everything he does Tracy Letts is is um, he's had a great year too he has had a great he it's was fun. in um Ford, Ford vs Ferrari, Ferrari
1: and among other he's been popping up all over yeah. the place.
0: It probably still writing plays, so knock them out. Yeah, yeah. and the other thing that really glues it all together is that yes, they're good-hearted people and they're all good actresses. But Laura Dern is also in this movie playing their mom, and she is just a really good mom. And and this is not to be dismissive of like, oh, well, you know, you know, we don't see enough good moms on the screen. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that specifically for this, all of them are this ensemble cast. Really brings this movie to life, and again, as you go through all of these scenes and their lives, um, you really do get immersed with it. And a, another shout out to Timothy Chalamet, who I think is actually really good in this movie. I, I really like all the scenes that he's in, and um, I, I, I do want to say that as the story increases, or as they as they move forward in time for the story. I like that the characters have sort of changed to some degree, too. Um, specifically, Amy March, played, played by Florence Pugh. Um, she's kind of like a. a she becomes more well rounded and a little bit more like. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Mature. Mature, but. but she's, like, she's bratty ris- at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah, she's bratty in the beginning, and then she becomes a little bit more aristocratic because her aunt, like what you mentioned, uh, takes her in. But. Overall, it's not a perfect movie, but I really, really enjoy this. We'll talk about some of the criticisms coming up here, but um, it is a fantastic movie.
1: I, I like this movie quite a bit too. I think it's very good in what it's doing. Like you, I've not, I have no like previous exposure to Little Women beyond just by osmosis understanding the basic premise, and it all works out. I, I discerned for myself that the film is presented in non-linear order without like with that being like a new a new creative direction for the film to Mm -hmm. go as opposed to previous adaptations and just the story in general and I thought it worked really well like I, I I I like you said I think it really does a good job of helping inform the characters more given that you have a kind of before and after sort of approach to various scenes and like the way the narrative builds I think what what you said about how you're just kind of in it I think that comes from the fact that there's not like a big there's not like an overarching plot to this film it's very much just a coming-of-age story with you know following these characters it's a very character-based story and it that works to the film's advantage because you get a chance to kind of know each of the characters understand where they're coming from specifically yes joe and and uh, and amy um, mm-hmm. but the you know you have you have a lot of good work from all of the performers involved um and yeah i mean there will i guess we'll get to kind of the individual sisters or what have you but i I agree with you about Timothy Chalamet. I think he cuz I I wasn't like blown away by his thing and um call me by your name. But like same same. S- but since then every time I've seen him he's just been very good. I I like I really like The King on Netflix earlier um a uh-huh. couple like a couple months ago. And here he's also with George Stein, right? Uh yeah, uh, no 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 that's that's oh, the, that's, different that's, that's that's The Outlaw King. Oh, yeah. sorry. It's like that report poster where you cross out the word torture. It's, it's what the King poster <laughs> is. It's the cross-out outlaw. And just we'll we'll get to Adam Driver soon. <laughs> but, um, but no, I mean, he, he, he the supporting cast is quite, like, when Meryl Streep is, like, the weakest link in your cast, you know you're doing a pretty good job <laughs> in your movie. Like, I thought the same thing. She really, I mean, it's not that she's bad, it's just like, you know, it's not the most important character, and she's yeah, pretty. It's just she's pretty. It's pretty one note. It's like, yeah, she's bitter, but also we means well, kind of. Like that's it. That's all there's to her. And she has lots of money, <laughs> and we yeah. always know about that. But I, I think what most impressed me is the filmmaking involved. I, I think similar to Ladybird, Bird, Gerwig seemed to have like the right people involved in her work because it's the there's a lot of attention to detail. Uh, the the music plays well. The the film looks very good. I, I'm. I, I can I'm, I'm fairly moot on the idea of like costume dramas looking good because I don't I can't recall ever seeing a bad looking costume drama I mentioned this many times so it's like I, I can admire the fact that the people did the work but it just doesn't stand out to impress me. So what I can go on instead is like I really like the cinematography here where you have you have to just you have to like show visually show how we're did in two different time periods and they do that by using like warm and cool color palettes Correct. to kind of yeah. help distinguish the times and I thought that would I think that works well. Um, and there's times where it kind of blends together, so you're not sometimes not entirely. I mean, you can it's not hard to discern, but like I think I think it does that on purpose as far as giving you a, a meld between the two at times. Right. And the editing, I think, just like yes. the, the just like the in Lady Bird, where I, I think a big benefit of that film was just the way it was edited, like a screwball comedy, it just kept moving, moving, moving. This film, which clocks in over two hours, is still really well paced. Uh, like it, it takes its time when it needs to. It also moves quickly when it needs to. It doesn't linger on scenes when they don't when it doesn't have to. Like there's. Right it's it's the kind of thing where it actually stands out to me. And there are, there's always a handful of films that stand out to me in terms of editing, and this is another one of those. So, yeah. Yeah, there's just a lot also, of enjoyable things about this.
0: Yeah, you mentioned a lot of the, the technical categories. I, I agree with you. And then I also want to shout out the writing, too. I mean, she adapted it, but she also wrote the screenplay here. And it's quick-paced, just the way that Lady Bird does quick-paced. You know, if you ever watch, or if you ever read the script, sometimes she will have, like, um, paragraphs of characters speaking at the same time, and that's just to, to show that they're speaking over each other, or you know, it's quick uh, natured. And what I really like about this is that because you get all of that, it feels somewhat more natural. Um, and yeah, it helps out that all these characters speak very quickly, and I think that's just the way that that uh, Greg Gerwig writes and does her stuff. Because if you ever see her as a performer uh, with no Baumack movies, I'm kind of specifically thinking about Frances Ha. You know, she also has like, a quick way in which she speaks in that movie um but um everything about it is is just uh, tremendous and i, I want to add that um you know what's great about this you mentioned the runtime of of two hours and some change um what's great about it is that it doesn't feel that way but also because of the interspersing of back and forth in time um it really adds a lot of layers to it that you probably wouldn't get if it was just linear um like you know the way that um uh i, I kind of want to talk about uh something toward the end they're an emotional beat uh, in the in the movie um there is something that really lends itself for you to uh some movies do this differently but for this one specifically it just adds this consistency but also this depth uh, and which I was not really expecting and then when it does hit I was like oh wow you know I actually really feel for her, for this quite a bit and yeah there's uh, really nice moments in here I would also like to add that everybody has sort of their own monologue um, all the characters um, sort of have their own monologue including uh, a special guest character in the middle of the movie but um, yeah they're they're all well flushed out and I, I, I really like this movie this movie received applause at the end of my screening and mm. That was unexpected. Like I actually, I was like, oh yeah, this movie does it. This does deserve this applause too. I wasn't expecting to audibly hear it, and yeah, like the theater applauded, and I was like, wow, that's <laughs> that's uh, some praise there. Because the only other time that's ever really happened to me was um, um, with Chris Hemsworth and uh, Rush in Rush when I saw that movie. That was like a, a few years back.
1: Not even Avengers End Game. You didn't get applause.
0: Probably, but I, I kind of didn't, I mean, I expected there to be applause for that, just the same way that I expected there to okay, be applause enough. for, like, Rest of Skywalker. Okay, <laughs> so,
1: like, I, I see what you're saying. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, it's a crowd pleaser, this movie. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it works on that level as far as, like, giving you something that's fairly happy. There is drama that unfolds and whatnot. There are beats that, you know, are designed to, you know, bring you down and get you on a right. new level or what have you. And I think they work well, too uh also nice to see chris cooper pop in on here like, I, 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 was, I was like is that chris cooper like after watching like, him be, like, doing after watching him be like terrible in a beautiful day in the neighborhood i'm like oh cool he's like here now oh, really? playing like okay. the exact reverse like so it's a movie i've yet to see he's very he's very good in both of these but it's just like the polar opposite in terms of what kind of character he's playing so it's like yeah. oh good for chris cooper having a fun year <laughs> right it up.
0: um were there things that that you didn't like about the movie not, not like negatives, but just things like, okay, well, you know, that sticks out in my mind.
1: You know, it it's not that, like, there's just less for Emma Watson and Eliza Scanlon to do. Mm-hmm. Um, it, but that's not necessarily, like, a negative. It's just more of, you know, you have four sisters and you're really focused on four of them. But I think it's, one's by design, I guess. But, like, Emma Watson, as Meg, has, you know, there's not a lot for her to do, mainly because she essentially reaches a happy ending early on so it's there's like that i guess does speak to one side of things because i think we haven't really noted that the film itself while it's adapting alcott's story it is like putting it's doing a better job of highlighting the kind of uh, the gender discrepancies of the time and which relate to now, obviously um, that, you know, that becomes a big focus and Joe's journey to being like an independent woman who doesn't want to settle down in a traditional manner. Um, and so you have uh, Meg on the other side of things where it's not that she doesn't want to, you know, be creative in her own way and represent what's good, but, she's not seeing it as a flaw to want to settle down and have a husband and what have you. And I, I think the, you know, I can't say this movie needed to be longer or I don't even know what the text is, if it like goes into that more, but I do think there's, there's room for that to grow more as far as presenting that side of things and, and, and showing like that, the obviously it's not like she made a bad decision. It's just more of like, we're focused on a certain journey. So I guess that's like an area where the film could have like had, had to expand it a bit more just to give her, like, more to do.
0: Sure, yeah. And I think one of the things that I was sort of um, stuck out of my mind is I think some of the age differences, maybe they could have been more apparent. I mean, for Amy March, very apparent, right? Well,
1: yeah, she has to play 12 and, like, 19. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) And
0: so for Emma Watson, too, she's got to play – they're all around the same age. And so they're all in their teens and then all in their 20s. Um, but she has two children by, by the end of the movie. Um, so it's one of those things where it's like, oh, they still look the same. So that's why I was confused unless they actually gave me the, the tag of like seven years before kind of thing. Um, and then Timothy Chameleon, I mean that Chameleon that the guy's like going to be an interview of the vampire. He, he's like, he's that much of a non-ager, but yeah, I, that's like the, really the only thing is like, oh, well I kind of uh, wish that they had done some a little bit, a little bit more, but they do it with costume
1: as much I mean, as they can co- yeah costuming and hairstyling and what have you like it obviously yeah i mean when you have one character that's supposed to be 12 years old <laughs> like that's is that beth that no that's amy oh okay that's, that's Florence spew's <laughs> character like that's a lot that's a lot to have to kind of deal with and at that, that point i just have to be like it's a movie i mean i like, know because yeah. the other as like, i know the 1994 version uh, kirsten Dunst plays her younger and samantha mathis plays her oh older. they actually
0: get different actresses they actually and i
1: i'm not I have to. I'd have to do some research, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's the case generally for every adaptation involving mm-hmm. the Amy, because she's like that's the most significant age jump. I've, you know, Got it. 12, uh, 12 You know, early teens versus you know late teens. That's sure. There's a significant difference between that. And oh yeah, one hundred percent. But like, again, her, like sixteen and you're twenty-seven. Like that's yeah. easier. <laughs> but
0: her performance carries through, and she's great in this because again, she has a really good speech about econ- economies of scale and marriage. Um. Mm-hmm. So again, you can definitely tell the growth. Uh, you can tell the growth of all of them. Beth is again the quietest one, but you know it
1: is what it is. What I think works—I mean, just speaking to Amy—is what, what I think works with the younger version and the older version, specifically the younger is that you, if I, from what I've read and what I can tell, that character, like I mentioned, is bratty, and there's a high probability of making that annoying and like. Not- oh yeah not fun to be around like just like just completely unlikable. Well, I she do, did one
0: thing where I was like this is a really horrible thing. Oh yeah, there's there's, there's there's
1: a horrible thing that you do. Yeah, well. and I
0: was like this is so cruel that's like we didn't even have ways to like save things like that back then, like 100 years ago, so how dare uh, you.
1: However, I do think the film does a pretty good job of not like making you hate this character, <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. which I think is, you know, that's important obviously because you want to you know root for the march sisters as opposed to root for three of the march sisters and not one so it's like, i think it does you know it has a fun balance of it does of making you know their pettiness with each other you know work to you know make them minor antagonists, but ultimately they're still, you know, rooting for each other. And the movie's also very funny. You should mention that, too. Like, there's a lot of funny oh, yeah. stuff in this movie.
0: <laughs> I I think that's sort of what what you and I both were saying when the movie carries along very quickly, uh-huh. is that because there is humor to it, and there's like a, a pace to it, Um, it's certainly, I mean, it's written by Greta Gerwig, who isn't gonna be somebody who's like, you know, sour and dour all the time.
1: And it's Little Women, which I, if I understand it correctly, yeah. is, you know, ostensibly quite humorous in, in spots. So, I mean, it's... It's working to its advantage. I also like that the film, it's not like anachronistic. It doesn't like go out of its way to show like complete modern stuff in the midst of, you know, a a period drama. At the same time. What do you mean by that? Like cars? No. I mean, as far as like (laughs) how people talk or. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Choice, choices made that seem very modern. At the same time, there are some touches that I think hint towards that. There's a scene where like Joe and Laurie decide not to go to a dance and they dance outside of the dance. And, like, when people aren't looking, they're just doing yeah. all kinds of crazy... They're moves. doing Lady like, Bird dance? They, well, it feels like like watching, like, The Favourite last year with that, yeah, yeah. that insane dance that happens. like. There's, <laughs> so it's, like, little touches like that that, like, it doesn't overwhelm the film. It doesn't try to make it heavily stylized in that way. But right. I do think there's... It, it doesn't go without, you know, having a, a certain touch to it to keep it from being too stodgy, I
0: guess. 100%. And the, the last thing I'll say is, is sort of, like, the ending where I was... I was like, I, I like the way that they gave you a realistic ending and then maybe the ending that, that she wrote for the book by she, Joe March. There's there's um, some
1: ambiguity there.
0: Yeah, there's some ambig- ambiguity. I, I do like the Joe March original ending, uh, just the way that, that it it is with Tracy Letts. But, um, yeah, I it, it's kind of like meta in what they are talking about and then how the movie ends.
1: For sure. Yeah. Go see it. Yeah, uh, see you in theaters. It, it did, might
0: uh, it, make one of my best dub lists.
1: It did uh, quite well at the box office. A good start. It's uh, made sixteen million in the kind of fr- Monday through Friday, but it's been out since Wednesday, so it's made thirty million so far. Oh, that's really good. Which is uh, and just domestic, so that's, that's quite strong for yeah. uh, you know for Little Women. I mean, that's, that's pretty good coming mm-hmm. you know next to Star Wars and Jumanji. Um, speaking of which, Uncut Gems did quite well as well. It's a highest A24. grossing a twenty four a two biggest opening for yeah a film ever. That's Sandler magic. Let me tell you, the Sandman. You can't see it,
0: but my hand is a cucumber right now.
1: (laughs) 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 Well, uh, all right, let's, uh, let's move on to our next review covering 1917.
0: I hoped today might be a good day. Hope is a dangerous thing. You have a brother in
1: the 2nd Battalion. Yes, sir. They're walking into a trap. Your orders are to deliver a message calling off tomorrow morning's attack. If you fail, it will be a massacre. Let's talk about this for a minute. Why? We've got orders to cross here. That is the German front line. Hold if we're not clever about this, no-one will get to your brother. I will.
0: There is only one way this ends.
1: That should have been some of the trailer for 1917. I'll read another brief synopsis here. Two young British soldiers during the First World War are given an impossible mission. Deliver a message deep in enemy territory that will stop 1,600 men and one of the soldier's brothers from walking straight into a deadly trap. The film is directed by Sam Mendes. It's co-written by him and Christy Wilson Carnes. It stars George McKay McKay and Dean Charles Chapman. It also features a number of other British actors to be like, hey, there's big stars in this too. Um... (laughs) Yeah, the movie it's shot by Roger Deakins, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Oh, Scored yeah. by Thomas Newman, has all the hallmarks of a Sam Mendes film. Abe, where are you with 1917?
0: 1917, again, no fooling around. This is one of the best movie experiences I've had all year. Oh. Uh, and what I mean that by that is just that the story itself it's a it's a simple story. Get to the front or get get to this advancing army so that you can save your brother. Uh, and it's just you two, so it's a man on a mission type movie. Um, but what I love about it is that it gets going right away and a lot of the technical things, which I'm sure we'll talk about, but within all of this war and tragedy and atrocity and all the things that are terrible about war, you also have moments of levity. You know, uh, one of the characters tells good stories, funny stories. Um, you have these moments of like humaneness. Uh, there's a part where, uh, one of the characters meets, um, like a, a woman that's hiding out in, in a shelter and there's just beautiful things all about it. I mean, I think that this movie is an extraordinary experience because, yeah, it was done with movie magic in terms of cutting. And that's not to take away or that's not to like be the focal point of it. But the way that it moves for a war movie is just, I don't know, it's like A+. plus. Um, cinematographer Roger Deakins looks great. There's a few moments in here where I was like, this is a cool shot, including one where they're crossing like a a, a mortar ground area and it moves across water. I was like, this is a cool shot. Um, And then obviously there's like one where there's flares in the middle of the night. And I was like, this is tremendous with the score kicking in. I was like, this is what I would watch like all day. This is why you have to go to the theaters. Um, I saw this in a – it hasn't really opened up wide for me just yet. Um, So I saw this in a regular – quote, unquote, regular theater But I would not hesitate to go see this in a large format theater uh, and again. Um, This movie is definitely one of my best of the year. Um, By the end of it, was I exhausted? Yes, but also I was like emotionally like spent to some degree. And then there's a moment where something else happens and I just like I didn't like lose it. But I definitely like got choked up. And I was like, this is uh, this is a good movie. So 1917, check it out. I, I would love to d- dive more into it uh, after Aaron goes. Uh,
1: just a heads up, the film opens in IMAX on January 24th. So keep that okay. in mind.
0: January yeah. 24th? That's
1: so long away. I know. I'm just saying, though. But, well, yeah, because yeah. it has to give way for the other movies for currently scheduled. For Star Wars. Or, yeah. For Star Wars and probably, I don't know, The Grudge or something. Uh, or Bad Wars. <laughs> Part or 2. Yeah. yeah. Um, I feel bad that we initially described this as a going another attempt of Sam Mendes did go off of um, Christopher Nolan's Coattails, where he made his like he made Skyfall and Spectre in the vein of like Dark Knight, and he made, mm-hmm. and then he has this movie coming where it's just like another, you know, we had Dunkirk. What else can we do with a war movie with Sam Mendes doing something seemingly similar, given the use of people <laughs> and. Right. We were wrong <laughs> because this movie, and it's not to take away from what Nolan's films though they are very good as well. But like this movie is is excellent. It's yes. it's ter- it's terrific cinema in in every way. Like it it does everything that you want a movie to do in terms of excite you, thrill you, show you something you haven't seen before, entertain you it has everything going for it. It's a film that just completely justifies what the cinematic experience can offer as far as going to a movie theater and watching something like this and taking all of it in and being, you know, at the edge of your seat, out of breath, and, like, completely satisfied on all fronts. It's a terrific, terrific film. Um, Thomas Newman has been nominated... 14 times for Oscars, has never won, this will be his 15th, guarantee you, and I have a feeling he's going to win this year, because the score of this movie is absolutely terrific as well, oh, yeah. I think it does a tremendous job of helping to balance everything that we're seeing, and play into the tone, play into the atmosphere, have the rises and the falls without feeling without feeling generic, without feeling like, you know, the same war kind of like, war theme that we've heard before it feels like something that works for what he's done as a composer over the years and just something unique for this film um performances across the board are all quite strong this is a film where you said the story is very thin uh, just by design because i mean it's that's the there's an objective and it's a to b i mean that that doesn't leave a lot of room for character growth because that's the nature of the story that's not a that's not a disadvantage it's just that's the that's the film's concept you can't hold that against it at the same time you still have characters that you're following along with and the film does, I think, a good job of getting great performances out of your lead characters, McKay and Chapman. Mm-hmm. Uh, McKay, in particular, who was in, um, what's that? Captain called? Fantastic. Captain Fantastic. Um, he has to handle a lion's share of moments, and I think he does a tremendous job of doing so. He's so good at both reacting and the. Sorry, at, at, at reacting and using the, his physicality and kind of giving you a presence that you you don't want to see harm come to either of these men. But you don't want you, right. you don't want you don't want to see them come in harm's way. You want to see them complete their mission. And it's like that comes by default to a degree because yes, you're just following two guys that have to stop this thing from happening. So like you don't not want that to happen. But at the same time you still need a performer that can really hold the screen for two hours and he does the job. While also interacting with various other characters we meet along here, I mean, there's right. some in the trailer. Colin Firth, the Benedict Cumberbatch, the Benedict, Timothy Carlton, Cumberbatch are going to show up, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, they're there. There's some other ones that I won't say here, but they're, you know, they're, there's they're some no, there are notable British actors in this yeah. movie, and they each provide, you know, a neat, a neat, a neat little performance, like boxed in within the five or ten minutes they are on screen, and I think it it really works to this film's advantage, where you have a sense of familiarity in that regard, but there's. It doesn't distract too much. It doesn't distract at all. It just feels natural to the story. I was reminded a lot of, in terms of like this journey, watching something like Children of Men or Gravity. That's, those are great calls. I mean, because they it's the way this film works, yeah. right? As far as it's... You can call it episodic, but it's like there is a kind of... It, those are A to B type films, right? You're, you're yeah. following a certain journey within a you know a real time type scenario children of men has a little more stretched up but it's still pretty like look at these i mean this is a giant long shot so you're like right. there's no there's no there's no breathing room for anything to happen so it's yeah no, everything about this i'm rambling a bit everything about this no is worries. Great. yeah i mean it's just the two of us <laughs> the the other part that i want
0: to uh, just add on to is george mckay's performance um while the characters are two main characters um george mckay has to give you Hey, I don't want to be on this mission, and then turn into uh, yeah. We need to complete this mission, and like it's like I'll be damned if I don't complete this mission. Mm -hmm. And by the end of it, you're just like, there's a moment there where, um, you know, you're in it with him so often, and there's a moment there where he finally gets through like um like a a river area, and he's just like bawling, and you're just like, I feel for you, man. Uh Like (laughs) I've I've been through this entire thing with you, and I just feel for you. Um, and then again, uh, there's there's still more movie to see after that, too. Uh, so he is fantastic in it. And I, I really want to see him in more things. Dean Charles Chapman. He's also really good, too. I mean, he plays like this guy who just he they they somewhat used him. I I, I like to like uh, I want to talk about the theme of war after this, but they somewhat use him and be like, hey, look, your brother's over there. So you're good with maps. You go tell him because you're an urgent guy. You're an urgent character now. And he plays it really well, but again, what I like about it is that these two characters are young characters, you know, um, they, they're young, they have full, they're spunky and, and you get to be with them for a while. Um, the theme of war here is nothing new, right? You know, war is terrible. It's atrocious. There's terrible things that happen through it. And I think the way that they portray it here on the screen, people have been comparing it to Saving Private Ryan, sure, but it's also different in its own regard, like, what I love about it as a total, complete package movie is that the cinematography from Deacons, the direction from Mendes, is such that it's it knows that it has you in control. And what I mean by that is that as these characters are moving, they give you the plot. Hey, once you crawl over here, this is no man's land, and watch out for the Germans. They might be there. What the camera does then is it shows you from the front – like, it shows the characters walking forward, but you see their faces. Mm-hmm. So you don't know what's happening in front of them, and it slowly pans around. And that's what adds to tension. That's what adds to fear. Um, that's what adds to, like, the movie-going experience. And then when you see what they have to go through, like, these ditches of just bodies. And then early on, something happens where everyone in the audience is like, oh, God. like yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's yeah. <laughs> like, you know, there's just so many things that, about this that... You know, war is terrible, and I don't know how often we have to say it, but you know, it's to some degree it's also stupid because there's this one point where he meets uh, other soldiers, like he's gone through all the he and his uh, platoon mate have gone through all this shit, and then all of a sudden, like these people roll up in cars, and they're just like, "What was the purpose of all this other stuff?" You know what I mean? So it,
1: it works in being a film that can play to all audiences too like it, right. it's it's gruesome as far as it's a war movie and we see bad things happen to people but I don't think it's particularly horrifying for like a younger audience. I'm not saying, you know, 4-year-olds need to watch 1970, but I do right. think it, you know, for being an R-rated war movie, I do think it still plays to like, you know, the high school history crowd or, you know, middle school history kids crowd. I mean, I think that it's all there and I think that comes from its presentation. Uh, you're you're talking about war and how ugly it is in World War 1 is an ugly, nasty war fought for mm-hmm. stupid reasons. <laughs> it's, it's, it's called The Great War, but in terms of what's behind it, not great things. And so right. we have another film, like we've had a number of films rec- in recent years that have ta- tackled World War One, from Wonder Woman to... to um, war Horse. Warhorse, Horse. Um, oh. And the Peter Jackson documentary. They um, Should Not Grow Old. They Should Not which is terrific, yeah. um, among other things. And The King's Man is still going to come out next year and do more with World Oh, war wow, really? Okay. Um, so it's you know, it's interesting to finally kind of occupy this space more. There's been some terrific, I mean, some of the best films of all time. It's set in world war one, all the, (laughs) all the, all quiet on the Western front paths of glory, right. uh, Wings. I mean, there's Lawrence of Arabia. I mean, there's territory to mine with this. We've done so much of world war two, but here, yeah, it's regardless of what we can see in this, what we're, you know, the main thing we're seeing is just how brutal this war is with the trench warfare. Like I'm, I'm very glad we didn't have to deal with mustard gas, like there's there's already so much like <laughs> yeah. stuff going on and, and you know things they have to deal with. I'm I'm glad there wasn't a whole sequence involving like these guys trying to avoid mustard yet because that just makes things even worse to deal with. Right. Tolkien is the other old world Warland movie I was trying to think of. Oh, um, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So it yeah no it it really does a good job of giving you a depiction of war and throwing you in that moment. There's also a lot of variety. I mean, as yeah. an act as an action film, it does a great job of mixing up the kinds of action we're seeing. We get shootouts we we get you know chases we have ex- like explosions ticking bomb type ticking yeah ticking bomb type things mm-hmm. uh, a uh a scene that nods to north by northwest practically like there's a lot of <laughs> stuff here <laughs> that i think really does a well, great job I don't know what you talking about <laughs> does a great job of 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 mixing up the the kinds of thing we're seeing these these you know these characters go on and it it just i mean we can't emphasize that roger deakins cinematography is I, beautiful, I, yeah i want to get be. to the that there's so yeah. much great visual work going on here as far as like a whole scene set at night is amazing yeah. To, yeah. amazing to watch unfold.
0: Yeah. I, Roger Deakins is a master. You and I both love Deakins' work. He's worked with Mendes before. I mean, a lot of people uh, fawn over what they did together with Skyfall. Um, Roger Deakins himself loves the use of light. You'll, he talks about it all the time. You'll see it in all of his work. Um, what he does with no country for old men is amazing and then what he does with the cohen's is also amazing so this is no different what i was like I I, I I guess when i was watching this i was like oh well you know i, I like whether the camera's moving i like whether they're doing this i like the way that he's showing the the maneuvers and then they get to that night sequence and i was like this is fucking deacons right here like this is like i would happily just like sit in a theater and watch that on loop for like 10 minutes or 20 minutes like just like I don't know how you even conceive of something like that. I mean, it's, it's, it's beautifully like sad, right? You know, because it's a bombed out city, but what's happening there is just like, this is amazing. Just the way that things are moving on the screen, the way that they're using things. And then Thomas Newman's score kicks in like Deacons here is just a master. And there's other sequences too, within that nighttime sequence mm-hmm. of just firelight and, and candlelight stuff. But man that that is I mean he's already, he's already won an Academy Award and good on him it was a little bit late but still yeah, I, mean, I, he's,
1: I I won't be upset if he loses but I I mean, would, he's right on the way to winning another one.
0: <laughs> I, I hope so because this is one of the best looking movies I've seen all year
1: yeah it's it, it, it it's great to look it's just there's so <laughs> yeah. much. I'm excited to watch this again. <laughs> me too. Yeah. I, what I'm going to
0: pay attention to is like all the, all the technical aspects now, you know what I mean? Cause now that I don't know that like, Oh, well, you know, here's the shootout scene or here, here's whatever scene. It's like, Oh cool. Let me see the way that they um, positioned or whatever else. But yeah, I mean every, everything about this movie, I, we're just kind of going in circles now, but everything about this movie is just really, really well done.
1: The, we haven't talked much about the fact that the doll, you know, was designed to be one continuous shot either. Oh. Like that's, it's such a, you know that the the effort to kind of make that work is so impressive. I mean, it's
0: you know, regar-
1: regardless of. I mean, that's what that's the that's the that's the purpose of movie magic to begin with. I don't care the fact that it's not actually. I mean, it's not like they actually yeah. you know shot for two hours and like oh call it a day. Like they <laughs> the, the the effort here is astounding to think about all the technical like ability you have to have to put all of this together seamlessly yeah. and make that work in such a you know breathtaking sort of way. So it, yeah, it's it's very impressive.
0: I agree with you that it's, it's, you know, that's not even what like the movie is like hanging its hat on, right? You're not hearing, um, Sam say like, Oh, we shot this in two takes. You know what I mean? No, that's not what the movie's about. Like that's not what they're, that's not what they're talking about. It is impressive. They did that, but it actually adds a uh, character to the movie. It's an element of the movie that really adds to the tension. Right. But yeah, the movie magic cuts, you and I probably saw them. Um, it doesn't really matter though. And like what you're, to your point, it's difficult to do long takes, you know what I mean? Like all the actors have to do, be in unison.
1: You can't screw up. Yeah. The choreography involved, you know, massive troops on screen.
0: (laughs) All the extras. And we're talking about like all the grips, all the lighting, all the practical effects, all that stuff has to be in sync for you to do it. Because if you have to reset it, then what a waste, right? But you know, there's also just so many things about it that, that just make it uh, a tremendous effort. And what you see on the screen is almost excellence.
1: Yeah, this is just good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> this
0: is, this is so <laughs> I mean, there's, there's not much more that I can really say. Uh, I, I really do love this movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, go see
1: 1917 when you can. It opens wide ni- uh, January 10th, and yeah, it, uh, it hits IMAX, like I said, on the 24th if you want to wait out for that. All right. Um, right. We've covered those two films. I know we all, we've both seen other movies recently that we wanted to kind of get into as well. Uh, you want to start this one off?
0: Sure. Yeah, the the other movie that I've seen recently is uh, Netflix's A Marriage Story*, and I saw this uh, in theaters. Kind of, <laughs> I guess if if I want to put on like my, my jerk hat, it's more just like, well, if, the, if a filmmaker made a movie that's intended to be seen in the theater, it's like I also like it the, because there's no distractions. I wouldn't get up to go to the refrigerator to get some water, and you know, I'm I'm kind of just watching it in a nice dark environment. Um, Marriage Story is very good as well. I mean, it it is a movie that, from Noah Baumbach, he wrote and directed it. If you've seen Noah Baumbach movies before, they all seemingly deal with, like, divorce and relationships, um, or relationships that sour, but they're never fully sour. There, there always is, like, this glimmer of hope and redemption to some degree. Um, and Marriage Story is no different. Marriage Story has really tough times in the movie. Um, there are moments where, you know, I, I wasn't sure where it was going to go or what was going to happen, but you certainly felt uncomfortable in these moments in which this relationship is um, breaking apart. And then when you add in the legal aspect of things, it just feels like it's it's even m- like more, I guess, in in a in a childish term, icky. Right. It's just like, oh, I don't, I don't like how this is like breaking their, their family apart even further or their marriage even further. And um, the performances are super solid. Am Driver, I think he's gonna get nominated. Where people are talking about him getting nominated, and I think uh, he's gonna
1: win. Honestly, I honestly, right, like right is, now, I think yeah. he's, I think he's set to win an Oscar for this movie. <laughs>
0: when when you see his performance here, I I, I, mean, I don't want to jinx it per se, but when you see his when you see his acting in here, off the charts, off the charts. Like he has to play like in the opening, it, it's the trailer, so you hear just the the words about each other. Um, and then you see his progression go and he's just off the charts. By the end of the movie, when he's uh, reading something to his son, you know, I was getting choked up. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, um, Scarlett Hansen's also really good in here. I actually think that she's even better in Jojo Rabbit, um, in terms of performance. It's a smaller role and, and not as much screen time, but I think that she's, she's really, really good here. Um, No Bombac story, again, it's not one of, deprivation it's not one of like sadness throughout there is this, a lot of humor
1: yeah like, there's a
0: lot of humor in it and i laugh at times in which the audience wasn't laughing there was like at least like 10 people in, in my theater with me it was already uh you know in, in smaller release so to speak um but i, I was like no my does funny things guys. Yeah, i don't know if you guys have seen others, other movies so i'm laughing at like martha kelly shows up and I was mm-hmm. I just started laughing because she's ringing on the wrong doorbell, and people were like, I, I could feel their eyes in the back of my head. I was like, guys, do you not know who Martha Kelly is? I, as a big baskets fan, like I, I was. But also, that... she's like a stand-up comedian. She's just yes. a funny person. But in,
1: uh, but that kind of humor, like, is just like that whole sequence. Worked for me. Followed by with the me. concluding bit that's like so like cringe inducing. <laughs> like I can't believe this is all happening.
0: <laughs> it was it was yeah. It's it's a funny sequence and there's a lot of funny elements to it, but there's a lot of dramatic moments to it too. Uh-huh. And when you get to a big tension filled moment, there are many of them in there. But when you get to a tension filled moment, like it, it just. I I think I heard people sobbing in the back of the theater, and I was like, it's it's well uh, – I mean, it's well-deserved in terms of respect. The last thing I'll say is that these – this family is the core of it, right? When you introduce people like Alan Alda, Ray Liotta, and Laura Dern, you're just like, these people are scum. Like, they're all d- – Alan is not Scott. Uh, he's, 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 but... he's
1: doing everything he can the right way.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he's doing the right way, but it's it's clear that, you know, they get into the movie, but it's clear that, you know, he, he uh, Adam Driver also needs somebody uh, akin to Laura Dern's character. And Laura Dern's character, we just talked about Little Women, how she's great. I was like, I don't want to see any of Laura Dern in this movie in Marriage Story. She's just that terrible of a person, like a Hollywood lawyer, Hollywood divorce lawyer. And it's just, man, when you get to it, you're just like, this character is so like she loves to win and i get that but yeah there's just so much about her i'm like this is i don't want to see her at all so overall mary story solid strong movie uh no again does a really good job of writing like what you said aaron humor in addition to the drama but also in addition a lot of heartfelt things um and it is uh overall a, an actor's movie
1: i thinking about it more I've, I've... I I, it reminded it reminds me a lot of like 70s 80s Woody Allen, but I'm not sure I can't think of a Woody Allen film that's ever like hit me as hard as this one does. Where like in a kind of specifically in the way it does like Crimes and Misdemeanors is my favorite Woody Allen film, and that one has some really dramatic stuff in it. But I, I in terms of like the the verbal fights that we get in this movie. I, I can't think of one that, like, really nails you the way that someone's trying to do, but it's still very effective. Like, yeah. it's, it's one that stuck with me for sure. Like, you bring that up, like,
0: just the way that people are verbally arguing, and I tried to think of, like, I know that there are examples. I just couldn't think of them off the top of my head when I was watching this or after I was watching this of just other really good, like, arguments like this where it feels like it's what people would say in a fight. Yeah. Um, and I, I again i know that there are examples i would love to hear if people know of any to write in but um yeah i again the acting here is incredible and it's really what carries
1: the entire movie yeah i've to think about it but yeah there are there are some good m- m- movie verbal fights <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> you know? for sure yeah um Okay, cool. Yeah, Marriage Story um, yeah. on, on and Netflix now. On Netflix now,
0: yeah, check it out. And again, we're we're kind of going through like quicker ones because we already did the two main releases. Yeah.
1: Um. Let's see. I saw Spies in disguise.
0: Oh yeah.
1: Anna and I watched it Christmas Day. Uh, we we went to duskies. Um, <laughs> that this... was the tagline, is? <laughs> no, but I mean, they're spies in Disguise. So uh, yeah, yeah, it just makes sense. <laughs> uh, this movie is a lot of fun. I very much enjoyed my time with this. I was very happy that all the excitement I had for Spies in Disguise, based off its amazing first trailer, uh, paid off because it delivers. Okay. But what I like about how it delivers is that it's it's tr- the spy story that it's telling is fairly serious. Like, it I mean, it's fun in terms of like look at this James Bond type thing we're doing here, but it you you can ground that in the real world in a way and like have fun with that, like without the you know the pigeon aspect. That said. The pigeon aspect is funny too, but the film it it finds it finds a good balance of how to use that. It's, mm-hmm. it's not it's not entirely reliant on the fact that he turns into a pigeon. <laughs> but <laughs> I, it's hard, I, I don't want to like go into the spoilers too much. But like it, it it's very clever in what it does with that. I think. Um, Will Smith and Tom Holland are very fun in this movie. They never met while recording this, which is pretty standard for animated films, but that's yeah. still like that's always fun to hear. That like the actors the stars of the movie didn't meet till the premiere of this movie. Um, but Will Smith in particular, he has to like he it's a it's a it shows how charismatic he inherently is because he plays like a he's fun to watch in action, but like his bravado he has as like the greatest spy in the world they really want to show you that and it makes him like it makes him like tom hanks's woody as far as oh okay. yeah he's fun to be around but also he's kind of a jerk like you know this guy when you think about it this guy's kind of a dick <laughs> a lot of the time and that's he has to yeah he has to play that and then get incredibly humbled because he's a pigeon all of a sudden yeah and it, it works for the film and tom holland's having a good time the um this is from blue sky you can't think about like things that happen this film without thinking about the Incredibles, obviously like there's okay. between like the spy action, the jazzy score from a uh, 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 Ted Shapiro. There is a lot of stuff that calls to mind Incredibles and that's not a disservice to the film, but it's like, it's clearly like it's, it serves as an inspiration, but like the action set pieces are like pretty fun. Like they do the job the voice cast in general, give or take DJ Khaled, does the job as well. Like they don't all feel like giant stars that they needed to put in this movie for the sake of having giant stars. Like they they all seem to be like fairly natural and fitting into this film. Um Reba McIntyre. I was convinced it was Holly Hunter for a while, but then I'm like, oh wait, the, the opening credit sequence, which there is one because it's like a James Bond movie. Totally, yeah. it's Reba McIntyre. <laughs> so um, I was like, uh, wow, Holly Hunter. That's like a lot of Incredibles. It seems like she's doing a Holly Hunter performance. Um, okay. and the, but yeah, that's also why did is like, that why would she be in this movie an and also the Incredibles? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the it it's a fun movie. I the um. The comedy that comes from the pigeon stuff, I do think is it's funny. It it's more than just kids will laugh at this because it's colorful and involves birds. Like it's, I do think, goofy. Yeah, it, it like it's gonna make kids laugh silly because that's what it's supposed to do. But sure. I do think it has a good handle on how to balance it. I'm not saying it's great, mm-hmm. like, but it's still quite good. Um, Blue Sky outside of like the Ice Age films, they've done only so much, and like I liked. Ferdinand a couple years ago, and this one is also like enjoyable, so it, it, it does the job.
0: Good, uh, good moral to the story.
1: Eh, yeah, in general, it's okay. not too similar to something like Hobbs and Shaw, where it's like well, we use teamwork. <laughs> <and it's... laughs>
0: when you said that again, the teamwork thing just makes me laugh quite a bit because, like we discussed, yeah, they say it on the screen yeah. after ninety minutes of action. <laughs> if we
1: work together, we can stop him. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say, I Tom Holland's character, he plays like. An inventor, like a genius, he plays yeah. like a Q He plays Ben Wishaw in the Spot in the Bond he movies, including yeah, played... like all like the the hoodie. He plays Paddington playing Ben Wishaw in the oh, movies. That's nice. <laughs> but like his but all of his all of his weapons are non lethal Like that's how he like he has non-lethal weaponry. That's his like that's how he invents things. And I do think they get a lot of mileage out of it. There's a lot of fun in seeing how the movie contends with that's a there is a body count in this movie. Like people die. Oh, <laughs> like, really? Ben Mendelssohn is <laughs> the bad guy, which <laughs> is already a, like that's that's a huge plus for me already, because like Ben Mendelssohn's in this sold. Um <laughs> But like, could you, you put- feel like the sliminess coming from his character? Oh, you can. But like, his character's head is modeled like Clive Owen, am thinking, is this Clive Owen Wait, again? What? Is it Gemini Man? But no, it's it's Ben Mendelsohn. But he just, I could give me like, a, if if Clive Owen had sharper edges on his chin, that's what this character. What
0: would if be. what if Ben Mendelsohn turned down Gemini Man because he was making spies in disguise, and they're like, you know what, we need Clive Owen instead.
1: I think Ang Lee would be like, but you just recorded a booth for three hours. You can't do my entire <laughs> movie. <laughs> We'll just CG your face onto, like, another you. <laughs> yeah, like, you can't, come on, guy. Like, I want to work with you. I got Clive on the other line. <laughs> <laughs> then it turns into him in that Mission Impossible 2 spoof where he's looking at Ben Stiller, and he's just like, go away. That's John Wu. <laughs> I'm in a different movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm all over the place. But, yeah, no, Spice Guy's good fun.
0: Yeah, okay, good it. to hear. How's it, how's it doing in the box office? Do you know?
1: Um, it debuted at thirteen front or like twenty two total so far. So it's it's about on the same track as Ferdinand, honestly. So okay, whatever okay. it will you know it'll do like fine here and probably blow up a little bit bigger overseas just because it's Will Smith.
0: We might get Spies Two, uh, Spies and Disguises. Yes, uh, yeah, <laughs> clever <laughs> Spies and Disguises. Well, it's good yeah. to hear. Uh, the next movie that I saw uh, is another one that people have been talking about for at least half the year, if not the whole entire year, which is uh, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. Um, you know. Yeah, it's a movie, uh, Korean filmmaker, Korean writer, about thematically things that I see a lot in Korean films, which is like the hazards, the have-nots, uh, whether it's Snowpiercer, this, um, uh, or even like something like Burning from last year, where it's like, you know, the rich versus the poor kind
1: of thing. Um, this like a... lot of the like the Vengeance trilogy is all a lot of class focus in those films. That's Warfare too, Old Boy, and uh, sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Lady Vengeance. Do you know?
0: But like, I saw The Devil and stuff like that. Is that? I mean, is that just more like action and?
1: That's more of a th- action thriller. thriller. Okay, that. I like the. God, that movie's great too. <laughs> but it, that's yeah, a great cover, by the way.
0: If oh, you it guys is. like, we're just really into artwork here on VHS <laughs> and DVD sets, and it's like that's a great cover.
1: That movie's amazing, but yeah, it's like because that's what... um, what's his name? Um, um G- the guy, Woon. yeah, Ji Woon, Kim Ji Woon, uh, who did uh, Last Stand, uh, and the Good, the Bad, and the Weird. Yeah, um, yeah. The, his, I'm not gonna say his movies are shallow, but they they certainly work more in like an action aesthetic Got over it. over like heavy theme.
0: Yeah, and this one again is a, a a theme in which it's satirical, darkly satirical to begin, um, and then you start to develop more depth with some of these characters. Uh, the character or the the story centers around a family that are all unemployed, and then they um, are one by one employed by the same family, pretending to be different people. The family pretending to be different people working at different jobs within this family, but. Um, as you build up to it, you know, it's really a movie that I thought was overall okay. I, I wasn't blown away by it. Um, and I don't know if it was because it's a little long, but also I think that I've seen movies like this before, too. Uh, and not that they were done better, because this is really well done in terms of the craftsmanship of the movie. It looks great. Designs are great. The uh, actors are all really good. I actually really want to give a shout out to the mom that of the family. All she's got to do is, like, these weird facial expressions, but she kills it in terms of her facial expressions. Um, all the acting is really, really good. But I mean, Song Kang-ho is the king of facial expressions oh, yeah, in, yeah. in general. Yeah. Like, and also, basically. like, he just pops up in the background sometimes. <laughs> like, you just see him as the as the, thir- the tertiary character in the scene, and he just, like, gives you, like, this really funny uh, facial expression. But um, I like the movie. I like what it's saying, and I like what it's doing uh, but something about it, just it, it doesn't really resonate full of me 100% because um, not that you and I don't have the haves and have nots issues. It's more just like the way that it's presented. I, I think that it just didn't hit me as hard as maybe it hit some other uh, folks because –
1: there's a scene where you, you uh, mean the world because it's like universally praised. Yeah,
0: yeah, it it is universally praised, and I, for whatever reason, it just didn't it just didn't get me. Um, but I do like when things are going awry in this movie, um, especially a, a scene in which it starts flooding. I was like, this is, this is, um, I don't know how to describe it, but I don't want to use the term sad, but it's like it's very like evocative of, oh, wow, you know, I had the visual. That's what's going on here on the screen with what matched with like where these people are in life. Like, it's just really difficult. And I was like, oh wow, this is super long. I'm super good. But then it goes on for like another like 45, 50 minutes. Um, not that scene, but the movie. Um, and by the end of it, I do like where it ends off of just, um I I, I want to say like, there's like this, this glimmer of hope there, but at the same time, it's like, it's like a popper story so to say and it's like you know i don't know if you're ever going to get there kind of thing so it's, it's very it's it's kind of like uh, it ends on like um, a what if note but also like a well you know probably not so i
1: think it's a what if without any sense of hope it's like a, oh, that'd be nice yeah. <laughs> but that's not happening
0: like, well I mean, especially given the context of like what's happened before yeah. but yeah but i'd I love to hear because you guys did a whole entire you and jimmy out uh
1: no we did we talked midsummer midsummer we, um um uh, Mike Dillon. Was Mike on Dillon, yeah. You guys episode, did an entire podcast. I'm trying to find who was on the show with us right now. But, I mean, to, something I want to speak of again that continues to impress me is that the entire film is sets. The the house, the apartment they live in, the street that they live on. It's amazing. All of that, all yeah. of that was made for the film, which is yeah. just – that's – like, I've been talking about impressive things a lot this episode of 1917. That's very impressive for a movie like this, that it's like – it feels so believable Yet an entire city block was made for this movie.
0: <laughs> like you, you really could have fooled me, because
1: yeah, it, it looks, it looks cool. fantastic. Ter- yeah. Terrence Johnson, friend of the show. Terrence Johnson, oh stories. TJ, which, yeah, which he he, he loved burning. He, he loved burning, and he he thinks this film is one of the best films of the decade. He's so uh-huh. on board with Parasite. Okay. I'm not too far behind him because I think the movie is absolutely terrific. I think the everything about it, um, top to bottom, just clicks together. And I mean, we're talking about the the theme, the thematic of it as far as the haves and have nots. It still works as a really effective thriller. There are there's so many like great Hitchcockian scenes as far as the way tension builds, the reveal, the sudden reveals that we get, the dark humor that's laced throughout this thing. Yeah, it really plays into that in just the strongest of ways for me when it comes to Bong Joon Ho films, particularly because I'm a big Bong Joon Ho fan, and this just it, it it's so totally his movie, but it still feels like an another evolution, like what he's capable of doing. I think it's just right on fire throughout this movie yeah if there's if there's one issue i might have it's yeah it's like a little long but like that's hardly a thing that's yeah that's
0: that's never something that i think you and i would ever be like this is gonna give it like an entire grade and a half down Mm -hmm. it's like no that that's just like personal preference i mean some people thought the irishman is too long but they still loved wolf of wall street for whatever reason i was like those are both three and a half hour movies um but yeah i I want to speak to the the thriller aspects of it I like that. I like the intrigue of it because you are um, you're embedded with this family that you know is doing something not correct, but you also root for them. Oh yeah, and and you kind of wait for the other shoe to drop, and when it drops, you're just like, "Oh shit!" (laughs) Yeah, like this, this is not what I was expecting, and it's actually like, you thought that people were on this uh, on different levels and they're actually on the same level. And then all of a sudden there's, like, additional class warfare between that too, And it it's, gets really, really involved. And, yeah, I, I agree with you that there's thriller-ish aspects to it. Um, I I, I don't want to necessarily say horror aspects, but there, there are some things that are... Um, there's some imagery there, yeah. There's some imagery, weird. but at the same time, like, it's not a horror movie. I, I don't want to no, categorize it no. as such, yeah. yeah. I mean, there, there's just, like darker elements to the movie. And when those happen, you're like, man, I it's been building the whole movie. So it it earned it, you know what I mean? And an example of that would be like the way that they always describe the way that the father smells. Yes. it's like (laughs) like yeah, I mean you get that and it it's a joke at first and then it builds and it builds and it builds. And then it builds to the point where like one of the characters is just like, I get it now. You know what I mean? Like I'm never gonna be the way that this person thinks that I am um, and yeah, it, it 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 does have a lot of earned things to it. So again, I like it, but I didn't love it. And it's I, I definitely see a lot of the great
1: movie making in it. Cool. No surprise. All right. The next film I saw was a Disney Plus original. Hey. <laughs> it is the film Togo, um, starring Willem Dafoe, Julian Nicholson, and dogs uh <laughs> sled dogs to be exact non cg uh non cg i mean there's probably some cg enhancement and some scenes, the wild. but yes i mean the film does rely on practical dog work right. um the film's directed by Erickson core you may not know that name until i say he directed the point break remake <laughs> hey you and i both i think you and i both <laughs> love that movie for being so bad it's it's a it's a so bad it's good that's for <laughs> yeah. sure um, that's a, that we movie have did, to like, go back for him he, that, he flew off the mountain he's that dead movie, that movie did utilize like incredible practical effects for the extreme stunts that they were doing yeah. so it's like and this movie on that level as far as showing I'll tell you what the story is okay the movie it's a story of a sled dog named Togo who led the 1925 serum run um, it was considered to be a small and weaker dog to lead such a you know a thing but he was able to pull it off uh, if you th- it's set in Nome, Alaska. If you think this sounds familiar, there's an animated movie called Balto, Balto that covers this very story. What's the difference, you might ask? Balto is the dog that finished this run. He finished the th- the la- of like the th- of the the last quarter of this run to deliver the actual medicine. And the press made a huge deal about Balto, and he ended up getting all of the acclaim for this thing. Yeah, Togo. Did a majority of the work. Something yeah. he averaged a ton more miles than any other dog in order to help ship medicine across this, uh, you know, across the, the city, across the state. Uh, you know, and... what this reminds me of mm-hmm.
0: Paul Revere. Everyone knows Paul Revere. They forget Samuel Prescott, who's yes. the yeah. actual one that actually saw the British coming, was captured, and Paul Revere finished the message. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: so that so this is based off a true story, obviously. So I'm talking about it, and yeah, it involves like Willem Defoe. He's the dog, like. Trainer he leads the sled dogs and whatnot, and we watch this kind. Of, it's actually like little women. We go back and forth in time.
0: Oh, interesting! Watching
1: both him with Togo and the other dogs on this run to transport this medicine, along with like basically the origins of Togo when he was young, when he was a young pup growing up. How he, how Defoe's character didn't like believe in him to be a, a sled dog, and eventually turns around and trains him. Like it's it's well made. Like I for a movie that came out on disney plus i liked what it was doing i think it does yeah. a good job of of conveying the story giving good real performances from defoe nicholson and the other you know human characters uh there's it felt like you remember that movie the F- the finest hours that came yeah, out a couple years ago chris pine. with, chris, and, with uh... chris pine and and um uh, Affleck, Affleck, Casey Affleck. Yeah, we both said Affleck. Yeah. That's a movie like, I thought that's a movie I thought was fine overall. Yeah. Like I, I it, like it's not something super memorable, but in terms of like Disney's live action movie stuff, sure. like this this is certainly in that realm, but I think this is one of the better ones I've seen in some time. Anna and I watched this on Christmas Day. Um it's good. Like it, it it does the job. Willem Dafoe is you know, you don't get to see him in a lead performance very often, so it's like this is nice that he's like in all of this movie for one thing. And also and, like, not being weird. And not being, well, yeah, he plays a guy, <laughs> <laughs> a dog trainer. <laughs> like I'm rewatching The Lighthouse right now, where he does not play a guy. <laughs>
0: I, I that's on the catch up list.
1: But also, the other movie that you and I
0: both like him in uh, was The Florida Project. Florida Project. Where where he also just plays, plays, plays a guy,
1: guy.
0: <laughs> yeah. a yeah. great guy, you know, yeah, uh, one that's looking out for all those kids that play around the neighborhood. For sure. Um, but question yeah, question for you: Yeah, uh, is Disney Plus killing it?
1: I mean, in terms of what you have access to, like I can't deny the strength of the content. Like the, yeah. you have you have original films, regardless of how good they. I mean, Togo's very good. Uh, yeah, I- Lady in the Tramp. I- Lady and the Tramp was fine. I haven't yeah. watched Noel. Um, I-, I know there's some other ones on there, but I mean, they have their se- They have Mandalorian along other series that they have, which I I haven't heard anything bad about. Anything. Like uh, the stuff that I've seen, like the there's like little forky ass question shorts that are entertaining oh, yeah. and. And, I mean, you have access to all of the MCU stuff, all of right. the, the Star Wars stuff, all of, like, you know, a good portion of Disney's, like, original TV shows from like, the 90s and stuff. All of right. their – all of the Pixar movies. like.
0: I, and I guess I asked this because, you know, Apple Apple Plus streaming is Apple, also – Apple TV Plus. Or Apple TV yeah. Plus also came out this year, and I don't know. I mean, I, I think Disney Plus won this battle.
1: There's – I mean – in terms of the amount of content you have, not of the content, but like the original content. In the original content, I, I mean, there's, there's enough of it that certainly satisfies. That goes along with the, you know, thousands of hours you have of other entertainment as well. Um, the thing with Apple is like you only have those shows. Yeah. And I've, I've sampled some of them and they're fine. The best one is Servant by far. The M Night Shyamalan produced that...
0: series. <laughs> That is on uh, a Twitter ad on my thing, and it's always the baby rocking, and I'm always, like, scrolling fast to get past it.
1: Yeah, that's that's the one I've watched all the way through. Okay. And it's 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 terrific. Like it, yeah, it's it's super creepy and does everything. And it stars uh, it starts from the show Toby Kebble. He's the one oh, he stars the show.
0: Yeah, hey, he, American or British?
1: He's Amer he and Rupert Grint are both in it and they're both like battling for who has the best New York accent. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, they're like <laughs> so New- they're so New York. I think it's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
0: going to check out Clips just to cure their act I didn't know that Rupert Gritt was in it. I was curious Rupert what he was
1: really doing. good in it, too. Like, everyone's... It's a really good show. Oh, okay. Really all right. Good, yeah. good job,
0: Rupert. Yeah. There's
1: a lot of a lot of uh, non-Americans being American. Like, all of Little Women. Every little woman is not American <laughs> in that movie. Not an American
0: actress, yeah.
1: <laughs> Except for Laura Dern, who's their mom. I said the little woman. She's the big yeah, woman. Yeah, I know. She's the big <laughs> woman.
0: <laughs> um,
1: but uh, as far as uh, Tokyo
0: goes, I recommend
1: yeah, I recommend for sure. I mean, if you have Disney Plus, it's not hard to, you know, put it on. And then there it is. The I didn't mention the dogs, like I mentioned the director, the the action stuff in this movie involving the sled racing is quite good. Like, I wasn't sure what to expect just because it's a Disney Plus movie. It can't be that high of a budget. But you have a lot of, like, compelling scenes of Defoe and the sled dogs trying to get across certain obstacles. There's a, there's a, frozen, a frozen lake sequence that's particularly impressive in how things don't go the way they want them to, but they still have to make do anyway. So there's there's some good stuff here. Yeah, cool. Okay.
0: Um, the last one that I want to bring up, which you and I have talked, uh, or have both seen is a uh, Quinn and Slim, uh, on my side. I'm sure that you might have a couple more on yours, but Quinn and Slim is a movie that came out maybe a month ago, month and a half it came ago. Out
1: Thanksgiving. Yeah.
0: Thanksgiving. And you know, I like this movie. I didn't love it. Um, I think what, what's very good about it is the acting. Uh, Daniel Kaluuya continues to prove that he is one of the, this generation's best actors. Um, I, I think that Lena Weiss characters, um, you don't really get their names until the end, but I'm going to call her queen queen is, um, Jody Turner, Smith, Jody Turner, Smith. She's new to the scene, but I think what I noticed that is that she's new to this, to the movies. And so I know that her character is supposed to be quiet and reserved. Um, but what I'm, With other actors, I mean, specifically a scene with, uh, by the way, this is a, the quick synopsis is that these are two people that went on a date, they get mixed up in a um, a, a police uh, turn, uh, whatchamacallit, pullover turned uh, deadly. They were in the right, uh, and they go on the run, um, and they're trying to get to Cuba, so there's a scene with Bokeem Woodbine, and I was like, Bokeem Woodbine is fucking killing this scene and this entire like sequence here. Uh, but you can definitely see that she's uh, the weakest in terms of the three actors that are on screen at that point. Um, I like the movie overall and in, in its messaging of this is black America today um, and how there's still oppression, there's still racism, there's still... Uh, everything that's going on here. But I think that it was a little long and I think that it was a little bit of a first-time director. Like, I really want to add in all these things, but I don't really want to explore a lot of it. Um, so I thought it was good. I, I just didn't think it was great.
1: I um, I like this movie quite a bit for all its messiness. I do think there's, like, areas where it could be improved upon. It is a little long, but at the same time, the the choices it makes and how to explore what's going on i think work to the film's advantage because i really like how it is focused on these two characters despite there being a bigger story going on around them Mm -hmm. that's that's a clear deliberate choice given we understand there's a larger context of what's taking off because of their actions and i i like that the film tries to contain it to just the journey that they're on with hints of those things i i have no doubt that there's and then this—it's more of a writing issue than direction. I think the direction is fantastic as far as how it's presenting all of this stuff. I think that it's just the script has a lot on its mind, mm-hmm. and like you're saying, and it—it it is trying to do a lot of things, and that's a tricky balance. That said, I do think that I think the two lead performance are both very compelling. I think they work well together because this is in the midst of being a thriller and a drama. It's also a romance, and I think that yeah, I think that works. I think the the key romance works in this film, and it's presented as such that you you want to but like with parasite like you want these people to succeed and regardless if there's tragedy awaiting them or not like it it tells the story well enough where i appreciated how things turned out also great uh, great soundtrack i really like the soundtrack yeah i definitely
0: agree with you that as the story goes along i'm just rooting for them because first things first they're again in the right anyway um but I mean, I'm just like, oh, I hope that they get there, and there's glimmers of hope here and there, and it it is, it is a um, interesting turn of events. Um, So, yeah, but yeah, the acting in here from some of these characters tremendous. So, yeah.
1: All right, Um, I got a few more here that I'll go through. Uh, First is uh, "Amazing Grace." This is the sounds familiar. This is the Aretha Franklin documentary. Oh, okay. uh, That was recorded way back in um uh it's it uh, in nineteen seventy two when she was recording this live album with the same name in a church. Um it's directed by it was directed by Sydney Pollack. It wasn't like it just didn't, it didn't come out. Like he's he's passed away by this yeah. point. I just, like, it never it uh it it didn't come out until just recently. And it's really good. Like it's a really good documentary. It's all there's no it's just completely the concert. There's nothing else you, you see like some of the setup it takes place over, it, There's it's a two night concert event that happened. Um, films uh, it, it just gives you what this what this show was. You see various angles of the show or what have you. There's some uh, some cameos here or there by other like famous singers and even Cindy Pollock like pops into frame every now and then as well. but it it's not giving you anything except the show that everyone got to see. And it's really terrific. It's just, it's a great watch. Like, not, there's not, there's not much more like depth to go into as far as what the film has to offer you to see a depiction of what Aretha Franklin was doing at this point. Like, how, how good a performer she can be and like what kind of presence she had in the mix to, you know, for a, you know, a, a gospel music performance, essentially. It's just really, it's really good. Glad to hear. Yeah. Um, let's see. I also watched Color Out of Space. This is an upcoming movie. Uh, it like it re- gets released wide in January. It's been around at some festivals, mainly genre festivals. It has Nick Cage. It's from the same team that delivered Mandy, not the same director, but the same okay. like produ- producing team, which includes Elijah Wood, because uh, that's the kind of stuff he likes to do. Um, he does he like is... to do those things. He does. Yeah. He's yeah have you
0: seen a, what was that movie? Where uh, I don't feel like or I don't feel like this home anymore, or you know which movie I'm talking about, right?
1: Yeah. Um... <laughs> I'm trying to think of it right now. Uh, I'll get to it later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But yeah, this movie, it's directed by Richard Stanley. That name might sound familiar. He was the original director of The Island of Dr. Moreau before that production became a nightmare, and he was fired off of it. That is a Uh, weird movie. Yeah, this is his first movie since then. That was 96. Um, He he has adapted this story, which is an H.P. Lovecraft story. It's about a family living in the outskirts of a town, um, a meteorite lands one night it causes a big explosion of color and while nothing seemingly affected the meteor kind of disappears into the water supply and just starts affecting the farm that they live on in the in, in the family you have nick cage he has a son and a daughter and you have a uh, uh, Julie richardson as his wife uh-huh. and it, i mean it take what i like is that it takes its time it, it takes like a good like the movie's almost—it's like an hour and fifty minutes. It, it takes a good like hour just to like set you up these characters and like what's going on before things start to get weird, and then it gets weird, and not in a okay. bad way. It's effect its effective thriller, horror thriller, sci-fi filmmaking. It's. Th- I'm gonna say low budget, but not in like a cheesy sort of way. It is low budget as far as you're on one location for like the entire. But day. it's not
0: as though, like some guys like a monster has toilet paper rolls as his costume.
1: No, but you get some creature designs that are quite effective, mainly okay. because of the, maybe because the the filmmaking. Um, the best I can describe, which I tweeted earlier today, it's like if Annihilation and the scene from the the sequence involving Stephen King and Creepshow were blended together. <laughs> it's like it. It has it has some really okay. interesting horror imagery. It tells a Neat story about this family that goes essentially crazy, and it still has a layer of dark humor to it because you do get like some Cage rage in bits and well, but uh, he's very. I mean, he knows what he's doing in these kinds. of Yeah, things. I know. He, he, I was gonna be like,
0: yeah, I don't know if people. I think that people will give a lot of flack to uh, to Nick Cage, but. He's an actor that knows what he's doing. Like, oh, he's, he's, he chooses projects to be wild,
1: to be crazy. He likes he gives, to push. He gives hundred percent in all of yeah. those movies, and I appreciate that. It doesn't mean yeah. the movies are always good, but sorry, I, mean, I should a, say Academy Award winner Nicolas Cage. Yeah, and I mean, to his, I mean, he he's he's like Sam Jackson in that they treat these they treat film acting like a job, like a blue collar job, where it's like, yeah, all right, let me sign on to this, and I'll do this thing. Like, he certainly can still choose the projects he wants to attach himself to. But it's you know he, he 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 wants to put the effort in there when he does. Right, yeah. Um. And this movie was quite good. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it quite the, a bit. The poster uh, looks art. pretty good. Like, oh, in it's terms just of like flashy color, purple. Oh yeah. In terms pink. of visuals, it's very it's very well done. I yeah. said low budget, but I don't mean that as a detractor in any way whatsoever. The movie is really it, it does a great job of what it has to work with. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. Uh, the last thing I'll mention is John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch. Yeah. This is the latest Netflix special from John Mulaney who has, instead of doing a stand-up special, does a basically a children's variety show that's like a callback to things like Sesame Street and a number of other programs that, you know, have John Mulaney as like the host and he has actual kids with him the entire time and you just see him get into various skits and whatnot. There's various cameos from people. I won't get into it because you can just watch this on Netflix and find out for yourself. Um, All of the kids are really fun. It's a mix of like uh, kids that were actually on Sesame Street and like theater kids, oh. you can you can tell which ones are which. Um, okay. <laughs> but like they all, they're all they're all like having a fun time. John Molini's stuff is really like funny in this. There's the the various cameos that you see are really funny. Um. What's also neat is that, in addition to kind of the loose framework of here's a kids' variety show thing going on, you have interviews with both the kids and Mulaney and the actors that cameo, all giving like little one-on-one interviews about like what their greatest fears are and like real interviews, that,
0: like this isn't yeah, just yeah, like, real, like
1: real like like real interviews, yeah non-scripted okay. interviews, yeah. and and it's it's really neat because it kind of there's a the things rated like TV PG and that's very clearly by design. Anyone could watch this thing and enjoy it. it it's mm-hmm. a mix of like. Broad comedy and self reflexive uh, uh, ideas and some meta commentary on the nature of kids' TV shows. Like, there's a lot going on in it, but it's uh, it's you know it's 70 minutes. It's quick. It's funny. I I can't I can't imagine not watching this a few times because it really has some some great great stuff in there. Mm-hmm. It's it's a really like it's a really nice thing to watch. So oh, it's good. It's a wholesome entertainment. it is wholesome entertainment. Okay. It still has like it has the kind of I don't know if Melanie you consider having edge, but it still has the kind of John Mulaney has edge in dry ways. Yes. I don't
0: think he would do it like with children and the present audience.
1: For sure. But like, yeah, his level of edge is present here just in a, a new kind of way. And I think yeah. it really works. Okay.
0: I'm excited to check that one out. For sure. Yeah. I think the only thing that I've seen on Netflix is The Witcher. And, you know, it's it's not for me. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll finish watching it first. But I've seen two episodes. I think you have, two it's a show yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's like there's so many things to watch and it's like oh that's a that's
0: lot yeah you've given I, me a disney plus movie that I, I was not expecting to go see but <laughs> now i'm intrigued
1: um all right well that's all of our review stuff let's mm-hmm. um let's move into some uh out now feedback feedback, yeah. feedback feedback this is where we go over the various questions answered on our facebook page facebook.com podcast we asked a number of questions to the listeners they gave us some answers
0: yeah, first question we asked everybody: uh, favorite films concerning near impossible missions. Scott has the the Dirty Dozen, The Great Escape, and Glorious Bastards. Uh, Mark writes uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. I mean, it's in the name, right? Uh, Justin has Taken. Chris has The Raid, Saving Private Ryan, and Dread.
1: Any near impossible missions for you? I mean, in <laughs> in Fast and Furious. Uh, f- sorry. In Furious Seven, mm-hmm. <laughs> they they do need to do a number of things that seem basically impossible, but thanks to the confidence of Dom and his team of street racers, they are able to launch planes out of the sorry launch cars out of the back of an airplane uh-huh. land it in a very specific spot and infiltrate a train that is piloted <laughs> by trained assassins and Tony Jaw. And successfully retrieve what they need. So, I mean, they that seems pretty impossible. Seems yeah. like an impossible mission to me. Yeah if, yeah, if, you know, you asked me if Tyrese, Ludacris, and Paul Walker could pull this off, I'd have to say yes, because, guys, this is near impossible, but they did it.
0: You know what's weird is when you named all those names, I was like, are they in a the movie together? And, uh, yeah, they're like in five movies together. <laughs> yeah,
1: they're in a lot of movies together. <laughs> Can't walk down the street without seeing these guys in a movie together. <laughs> that was a good near impossible mission. You had any mind? Near Impossible missions, uh, Twelve Monkeys. Yeah, it's not—it's all that easy to send someone back in time to prevent the, you know, the apocalypse. He's got to go through a lot of stuff. Yeah, he goes to World War One. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Full circle. <Yeah. laughs> all right, next question we have here: What's the grittiest war movie in your eyes? Joseph Bravin, front of the show, writes Saving Private Ryan, bar none. Justin writes Hamburger Hill, Apocalypse Now, Platoon, and Full Metal Jacket. Uh, Corinne has, I agree with Joseph and Justin; those are great war movies. I recently saw The King with Timothy Chalamet, and the war scenes are especially well to did- see The King. I'm telling you, yeah. Netflix is good. The chaos, blood, and filth are everywhere—horrifying. Uh, Jeffrey writes Fury. Chris writes Saving Private Ryan, Deer Hunter, and Full Metal Jacket. Adam Gentry, friend of the show, writes: I try to keep war movies out of my eyes in general. They get lodged in there so easily and can be really irritating. Thank you, Adam, for that. Yeah. Well, I'm giving you some practical advice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Those are some really solid
0: answers. Um, I'd also add in, you know, a movie I'll never watch again, *Grave of the Fireflies*. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: Like a post-war, like quote-unquote post-war
1: movie, and it's like, mm-hmm. this is this is too difficult. Let's just shout out *War Horse* again because, like, people yeah. want to be like, "That's yeah, so you know, it's so Spielberg, it's so sweet." It's like, guy has like a giant World War One sequence in this movie that's horrifying. Yeah, War I
0: mean that, that. I don't know if you guys know this about *War Horse*, but that go, that horse has gone seen some shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what those vignettes are all about. It's just like people dying.
1: I can't wait to watch the war horse's Irishman take where it's just the horse sitting in a chair when he's all old telling the story of what happened. <laughs> Back in my day. <laughs> Da-da, <da-da-da. laughs> wait, why, why is he in a barbershop
0: quartet now? <laughs> well,
1: by the time he got to that age, he would be in the 50s, so it just makes uh-huh. sense. <laughs>
0: Freaking, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Clint Eastwood's uh, movie with, uh, (laughs) I can't even think of the movie now. Jersey Boys? Jersey Boys.
1: (laughs) Jersey Boys. (laughs) He's part of the horse sharps.
0: (laughs) Uh, The next question we asked everybody, which British actor would you want to give advice in the midst of an intense situation? Would you want to give you advice in the midst of an intense situation? Renee has Peter O'Toole. Graham writes Colin Firth. Calm and smooth, unless you're talking about King's Speech, where he had a stutter. Uh, Dennis has, I'm um, no Bond, but I would take advice from Dame Judy Dench. And lastly, Chris writes, Eat your syllable for sure. Or Jason Statham. Uh, you know they'll have your back. I mean, we just talked about Mark Strong. That guy's got great presence. Great presence. And I was so scared of him in, in Zero Dark Thirty, because he just like slams the table and yells at me.
1: He does slam a good table. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know what I'm gonna say, mm-hmm. Brendan Gleeson. Yeah, people are like Brendan, who's that guy? They're like, I think, it's Domino's dad. I, I th- yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think I think Brendan Gleeson, which <laughs> he's his, is he his dad or is he like his uncle? it's to his dad. Him. Is it his dad? <laughs> yeah. Domino's so, dad is Brendan Gleeson. I, I was pretty sure, but at the same time, it's like there's some that are like you. See. I think no, no now, 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 now,
0: now, I'm, I'm like.
1: I'm, no, I'm thinking of Danny Houston. Danny Houston's jo- like John, Houston, John Houston's like nephew. Uh, nephew, not like his direct son. Yeah, that's uh, all right because he doesn't look anything like Angelica. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, no, I think Brendan Gleeson would be a, would be a nice presence. Yeah, like with I think with of his like I like a tur- No, yeah, he does his his own accent. Yeah, but I'm thinking of like before things turn bad, but like 28 days later, he's just like a really nice dad.
0: Oh, he is a good dad. I mean, he even tells his daughter to get away when, when he gets infected.
1: It's so sad.
0: It is sad. He's also a really like, uh, uh, whatchamacallit, um, he's a good guy in, in Bruges. Um, Oh yeah, for sure. And he tries to do the right thing, um, in, in both sides of the scenario. And then he's also like a, a funny, stern, uh, leader type guy with a voice in, um, uh, full, uh, full Metal Jacket. Uh, lived at Repeat.
1: Yeah, okay. <laughs> he is in that movie.
0: <laughs> He's like, no, Major, you're going to go to the front. <laughs>
1: uh, next question we have here. Favorite films about sisters? Mm. Brian, Brian White from the show writes Black Widow. <laughs> okay. A little premature, but okay. Uh, Justin has Practical Magic and Frozen. Chris has Ginger Snaps.
0: There you go. There's a lot of good movies about sisters. Um, Your Sister's Sister is one movie that I really liked. Uh, That was one with um, uh, John Krasinski's wife.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I like it. You just can't remember.
0: (laughs) She's uh, Emily Blunt and uh, and, uh, Rosemary DeWitt. DeWitt. Um, They play sisters in a movie with Mark uh, Duplass. And they're they're great in it. I think they're they're pretty great sisters in that. I mean, there's a lot of great movies about sisters. I, I'm sure that we'll shout them out later too. Do you have any?
1: Um, I think of ones I haven't thought of since like last time we dealt with something like this. When Frozen came out, um, I was gonna say the sisters brothers, of course, with, John, <laughs> with <John> C. <laughs> C. Riley and Joaquin
0: Phoenix. I um, mean, that you did answer the question.
1: You know, you know, it's a good one. Um. It's super depressing and very different than what might people say. Uh, Melancholia. <laughs> a, movie, a movie that I haven't finished. With uh, Charlotte Gainsbourg and, and Kirsten yeah. Um
0: I'd also I'll also throw in um, A League of Their Own. Dottie oh, and... Yeah, a
1: League of Their Own, yeah.
0: I mean they, they had like a disagreement, but, man, Gina Davis is she's just looking up for her younger sister. Seems overbearing at times, though. Uh, yeah. my
1: my neighbor Totoro. Since I did all my oh, yeah. um, re rewatching of what uh her, and call. and watching of uh Miyazaki's films, yeah,
0: what a great call there. Yeah. She's a good sister. Um, what's your favorite period romance film? Justin writes, "I The Mummy, Bram Stoker's Dracula, and The Greatest Showman." Alan writes, "That Thing You Do." Chris writes, "Pride and Prejudice and Zombies." Uh, Catherine has Sense and Sensibility. It took me a while, but I did fall in love with Colonel Brandon and I miss Alan Rickman. R.I.P. Jeff has Ice Age, Scrat and the Nut, and Sandy writes Much Ado About Nothing. Any uh, favorite period drum- uh, drama drama, f- romance
1: films? You know, I keep thinking of old movies. And I'm like, well, no, those were contemporary at the time, so that doesn't really count. <laughs> um, like something like. Um, Breakfast activities like, right? Yeah, breakfast tivities are like constant blunt, but It's like no, th- that w- the war was happening. <laughs> like, it's, not, it's not removed <laughs> from it. Um, how about how about the Purple Rose of Cairo? That's uh, oh, the wow. There you go. Pharaoh yeah. uh, and Jeff Daniels and Danny, the recently passed Danny Allo. R.I.P. Danny.
0: R.I.P. Daniel? Yeah, he serves that pizza up and uh, do the right thing.
1: That's right.
0: But cheese okay. costs two dollars. <laughs> um. Period Romance Films. Oh, that's, a, that's a. I mean, oof. recently? Sure. Phantom Thread.
1: Phantom Thread. There you go. Phantom Thread. It's yeah. a great one. Great costumes. Didn't they win? Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and some crazy things with mushrooms.
1: Now I have to look that up just to make sure. It's like, why would that not win? The movie's about costumes. <laughs> <For, laughs> well, I,
0: I, I confirmed that Domino Gleason
1: is. Uh, his dad is Brendan. I'm glad we came back to that one for sure. That makes me happy. Did they win?
0: Um, I mean, it won, they won one
1: it. Oscar. Let me see what it is. I'm sure. Yeah, it's costume design. Of course. Hey, it is. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, those are, all, yeah. those are all good. All right. Last question we have here What are your favorite films involving birds? Mm-hmm. Uh, no one wrote Sully, by the way, which is disappointing. <laughs> birds. A key actor character in the movie,
0: guys. Come on. Birds. Birds.
1: Uh, Chris writes The Crow, Chicken Run. And Omen Two and Kess. Mm. Scott writes the birds. David, yeah, friend of the show, writes definitely Chicken Run and Rescuers Down Under. Hey, uh, John Candy. Um, and that big eagle, um,
0: yeah.
1: the Golden Eagle. Marihute. Uh Todd writes the to, uh, Todd. Todd, friend of the show writes the birds, Chicken Run, and Follow That Bird. And Stephen writes the Crow.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah. Nobody wrote John Wick Two. No one wrote any John Woo movie. Like hard, hard boiled. Face off. The killer. The killer is a great bird movie. Yeah, Mission Impossible Two. The The Mission Impossible Two. Even Paycheck has birds. Does it really? Yeah, it's the worst. Does Executive
0: Decision have birds?
1: That's not John Woo. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: No, no. Broken Arrow. Broken Arrow.
1: Broken Arrow. Yeah, that. Yeah, there's birds. Okay. All right. I was like, yeah. yeah, like. They're like in a mine shaft or something at some point. But there has to be a white dove that you see. I haven't. What that's been on our commentary list too. But we've like we've so we've so gone past our for funsies commentary. Like we haven't done it for funsies. We're, we're one doing it forever. thematically now. We yeah we we were so like we're so devoted to educational commentary tracks. Like oh well, what year. else
0: is like coming out this month that we can do a commentary for
1: Star Wars? Yeah, like we never do Alien vs Predator Requiem now. Like that would never happen anymore. <laughs> We'll see how we'll see how it pans out. We gotta see. we listeners should write in. They should say like what yeah, do they like the commentary have... do they like the commentary tracks where we're providing like actual info about the time as well as humor, or do they like our just nonsense commentary tracks? I mean, or
0: or if you have one that you guys wanna hear that you guys have been like itching for, shout us out. Shout it out. We'll shout
1: it out. Yeah, we'll we'll take it under consideration. That's exactly. for sure. I don't wanna make any promises that I can't keep here. But I mean it's fun to do them regardless. So
0: Yeah, I mean you're gonna get knowledge from Aaron, Scott, Brandon. And somebody else on the show. And then I'm just going to riff.
1: Yeah, yeah, there you go. All right, that's enough feedback. Feedback, feedback, feedback. Let's move on to what Not presents Without Now. These are movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, DVD, or streaming. Um, not a ton on Blu-ray this week because it's like New Year's. But I do have, because we're going to do our top ten next week. Oh, I, I
0: mean to ask you a question
1: at the end of the segment. Sure. I, I I put up the, since we're not going to have this segment to, uh, next week I figured I'll do the ones now but like in two weeks Joker and the lighthouse both come out on uh on blu-ray
0: did you did you just swallow something or did you make up a new
1: pronunciation of blu-ray on blu-ray yeah. <laughs> okay <Forca and> <laughs> uh yeah, J- Joker's fine and yeah. the lighthouse is uh pretty good I yeah. really like lighthouse. there you go uh yeah uh big little eyes season two, hits uh, two I heard weeks, good things um, let's see. On Criterion, there's a movie called Holiday, and on Kino, Ryan Johnson's Brick makes its debut wow. on Blu-ray. Finally on Blu-ray, it's not been on Blu-ray for a long time, and I I'm think like it's sitting on here streaming right now too. It's streaming, sure, but it has a brand new 4K restoration from uh from Johnson. He approved of it himself. Oh, good. Because uh, it was supposed to come out last year, and then Brian Ryan Johnson saw it on Twitter, and he's like, wait a minute, this is happening? And so, like, I'm, I'm guessing he got in touch with the people doing the Blu-ray and, like, did the Trent Matt that, you know, had a hand in the actual remaster. So it I'm looks glad.
0: fantastic. I'm glad. love that he's so hands-on with his own properties. I mean, if oh, yeah, you haven't yeah. seen Brick, um, watch it. It's really, really good. And it's Ryan Johnson's, like, first big screen movie.
1: He's a big proponent of, like, solid home releases. All of his movies all have, like, great docs and commentary tracks and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah. Speaking so you know, of which,
0: uh, he has one right now. If you go see it in out, you can play something at the same time and listen yeah. to it in the theater. Yeah, he,
1: He's done that for that looper and Blood Brothers Bloom where you can you can he recorded a commentary track that you can download and play on an iPod before you go to the movie. What's hilarious to me about this one is that Lionsgate's like, "Yeah, let's do it." And they like actually built the website around having to be able to download that <laughs> cuz normally he just like drop it on like drop like an MP3 link that you can download. Now yeah, yeah. he's like, I got studio money. I can really go to <laughs> I've got <this."> studio <laughs> money. I got studio backing for my. I my mean, offhand commentary track that me and one of my friends recorded.
0: <laughs> I hope that it does get an Academy Award for best original screenplay.
1: It's 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 not out of the question right now. It's yeah, it's doing see. it's doing well at the box office. It's made yeah. over a hundred million, which for a you know, a non an original film, um, like this, yeah. In, in this economy, that's um, <laughs> it's doing that's very just, good. That
0: should be our tagline for the rest of the like the podcast that we do in this economy. Yeah. Just over
1: two hundred worldwide, too.
0: Yeah, which is amazing. Question for you: This question was raised to me, and I didn't really have a great answer. But what is the diff- the difference between the Criterion Collection, Kino, um, and all these other collections, and how do you get in it?
1: Well, they're different companies for one thing. That's the main thing. Um, the difference is these are studios or these are companies that th- their their goal is to provide exclusive releases for certain types of films that have either been they are either like classics, cult favorites, genre films, or just films that are just kind of that that deserve kind of a proper release on home view- for home viewing that they just don't have or they can get the rights to and they can put it out there and you have uh, instead instead of you know instead of like a studio release where it's just like here's the movie and like a handful of extras and whatnot something like their Criterion collection which obviously specializes in older films for the most part there's very there's not too many like modern releases but they they put the money in so they can have like the best looking and sounding version of the film possible they restore older films i mean like Night of the Living Dead last year was a huge win for everybody because it looks Better than it ever has, uh, and then you get like exclusive interviews from people that you know from filmmakers and whatnot from all over the place. Whether it's retrospectives or direct, like Guillermo you know, del Toro loves doing these kind of things. Like people, so, like so they do
0: get in. backing from studios and the the uh,
1: makers of the movie. It's a mix of things is you have to get the rights from the studios to release said movies. Uh, a certain, like like Wes Anderson's films are almost all on Criterion at this point, and obviously they're from they're from. Um, Fox and Columbia, like a number of different companies, so you have to get the rights to those things to begin with before you just throw it out. That you can't just do it. Something like Kino, those, those are those are similar. Some of them just don't have the same kind of funding, so they can't do as much. A lot of I them concentrate. A lot of them concentrate more on the kind of restoration aspect of it, so you can get you know at least good, good looking and sounding features. Um, Scream Factory slash Shout Factory, um, they they focus on genre specifically. Scream Factory is their horror. Sub, like, sub company. Um, and then they have a lot of other releases as well. And that's another one where they'll do their job with the sound and video, but they're great at getting interviews. They get a lot of interviews from like all kinds of like bit cast members to editors to like poster design. Like, the big oh. trouble in Little China just came out not too long ago and it has a plethora of interviews. Yeah, from, great, great poster from yeah, great poster. Drew Stewson, who has a feature on the Blu ray talking about him designing the poster.
0: That's <laughs> like, really cool. I didn't know that that was a difference Like with Kino.
1: Yeah, it's a Kino's like not so much on the special features; they're just more about the kind of presentation of one or archives. A big one that they're high on the video and audio presentation. Um, Arrow is a big one as well as far as everything they get. They the thing is, some of these cost more money because it they have to put money into these releases to begin with. It's not cheap to like restore a film, let alone book talent to interview for these releases. That's why these movies, these, these, uh, releases cost more than like the average Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a worthwhile investment if you want to just have like basically film history on your shelf in, Very in, cool. in visual form. I'm a big proponent of it because I like physical media for one thing, but also because the quality is so good. Like it's, 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 especially for, you know, movies that you like or even movies that you just haven't seen before that you want to learn more about. Like I have a lot of silent films that I just have never seen before, mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm, I'm watching them and like, the best way possible because they look and sound amazing and they have all these archival interviews and bonuses. Aaron, it's supposed
0: to be silent though,
1: (laughs) but they really (laughs) inform you about like the filmmaking process from that time and how it affected other films and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I. speaking of which,
0: uh, the thing I want to add there, uh, on just like old movies in general, like if you're in college right now, or if you have access to a university system, they have tons of movies just like in one of their libraries, I'm sure, because I used to have one over in my college, um, and you can just check it out. Um, you can just watch a movie there on premise and then return it. Uh, it's it's pretty great. So you can check out all these old movies that Aaron is talking about. And I, I I still feel as though my film knowledge of things in like the 18s and the early 19s is really really low, and I want to get better with it. But um, yeah, I, I'm glad that there's a, a service like Arrow that does something like
1: that. There's a lot of yeah. There's a lot of great um. Canopy is the library server. Like if you have a library card, Canopy's. Oh. Canopy is a way where you can stream online by having a library card, and they have a lot of great options in there,
0: including also including some commentary and whatever else too. I'm not sure if they have
1: like features okay. like that.
0: Um, I think that's one of the things that's, that's missing from like major mainstreaming services.
1: Yeah. They'd, like like if, Amazon, Net, if, Netflix. If, if, if Netflix and Amazon had commentary tracks for them, oh, movies, you're like, goddamn I'd right. I'd
0: be listening to, listen yeah, to yeah, that. Great. Right. Oh
1: yeah. my God, Yeah. Um. What was I gonna say? Oh, the um Criterion has a streaming service now, and it's I don't have it just because I own so many Criterion, so I don't personally need it, but it is a great source of getting to see a lot of these films without having to, you know, pay the high prices for a lot of them. Sure. But they also it does come with that additional con like that additional bonus content for all the films as well. And they like they curate it. So you get a lot of like filmmakers picking like a playlist of movies you can watch, like things like that to really like narrow things down for you to give you an idea so it's not too overwhelming. It's mm. uh, If you want to be a film collector or a film fan or want to learn more about things, the options are out there. <laughs> like,
0: All right, Mulder. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's from that show well, that was on in the 90s. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, thank you for that, because somebody asked me this past weekend while we were having dinner and I was like, I think that somebody else have a better answer, so I was like, only ask
1: it on the show. Right, I can't wait for you to edit just this clip and like throw and up the phone over and be like, them. listen, you know that that thing you're looking for. Well, listen to this. And he'd be like, why are you referencing back to the <laughs> and listen, Barry? To- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> your kids are gonna love it. <laughs> um, let's see. New to streaming this week uh, on Netflix, you have Kevin Hart colon don't f this up. It is a six part documentary about a few years in the life of Kevin Hart up into when he was supposed to host the Oscars and then didn't have to. Oh, interesting. I watched this because it's only six parts and they're all like 30 minutes. Um, it's neat. Like, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not down on Kevin like, Hart the way serious, Marcus mean. Robinson is, but um, it, it it has a seriousness to it. It's still yeah. funny also. Sure. I, but I think, like, I I can't say, like, I can't wait every time a new Kevin Hart film comes out, but it's like, he's fine and things. I like when he does stuff. I think Jumanji just now, it's one of his best comedic performances because he's hilarious as Danny Glover. Yeah. Um, He's this is, dude.
0: He is. He's. he's legit know, hilarious. as you
1: know, Andy Glover makes me laugh yeah. just to hear that. <laughs> like, it's funny. I forgot that that was the the premise. <laughs> but it's a pretty. It's a pretty breezy watch of like how is where his kind of recent rise to high fame is gone and whatnot. As far as like, I can watch this in installments while doing other work. Like it. it it's fine. Mm-hmm. Does the job. Uh, Fast and furious. Colin spy racers. What is, is this? It, this is the animated Fast and Furious series. It's on Netflix now.
0: Wow! I mean, it, good it, job, it, guys. It
1: it, it features um, Dom Toretto's cousin and his friends who become Tom Toretto. Become um, what's his name? <laughs> I forget his name. Uh, it is something Toretto. And Vin Diesel does does voice a cameo in the first episode. Uh, of course you will. But it's yeah, it's an animated spy show that involves impossible missions that I talked about earlier. Basically, with, with uh, younger with younger street racers. I
0: I mean, shout out Justin Lin, dude. I mean, without Justin Lin, none of this probably would have happened. It's eight episodes, so you
1: know, yeah. get on that right away. We're
0: like, what are you talking about? Tokyo Drift really brought the franchise back from like the brink of, of like oblivion.
1: Well, technically, the, the, the preceding <laughs> one did, since that made a lot. You know, it had the original cast members in it made That's a lot of money. Yeah, it just also to with the Justin worst. Lin though. Yeah, all, yeah, but i was saying like Tokyo Drift was like, well, that happened. It didn't do that well at the box office. The next one did big at the box yeah. office. It just happens to be the worst of the franchise, but that's a no here no. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> that, that'll be for the commentary coming next year. <laughs> uh let's see. The movie called Sweetheart that's on Netflix now. I wanted to see this earlier. It is a horror film Ooh. that I, know, I don't know too much about. It's from the director of Slight, that um that magic that, that like magic crime yeah. drama movie from a couple years ago. Uh, but I've heard a lot of good things about this one. This is one I want to check out eventually. Okay. Um, yeah. On Prime, nothing new but Man on the Moon on Prime. Jim uh, Carey, the Jim movie? movie. Yeah, yeah, it's a good movie. So yeah, it's it kind of strange, but yeah,
0: it's it's uh, it, Jim Carrey does a really good job, and then I guess you could follow it up with the the documentary
1: on Netflix. Yeah, the documentary on Netflix, which reveals, I like this movie, but Jim how was much a real dick care was, about Yeah, Jim Carrey <laughs>
0: was like really going quote unquote, you know, um, method for method, this movie. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Um, that's okay. So that's what's up now. Next week's show, we're going to do our top ten of twenty nineteen. That should be fun. That's always fun to do. Yeah, you, we will have guests on that show, so stay tuned to go over our top ten.
0: Indeed, let me let me catch up a lot more too. Yeah.
1: Lastly, we do hear what should people go and see now. What do you plan to see next, Abe?
0: There's a lot of stuff out there right now. Um, if uh, if you could, I mean, check out Story, but definitely Little Women. And when is 1917 release in full? January 10th. Wow, okay. Um, I mean, if you are in a major city, go check it 1917, and then check it out again January 10th, um, and then like what Aaron said during the review, check it out in large format January 24th, um, but I would definitely recommend uh, those new movies that we talked about, the, the main two movies of this week.
1: Uh, let's see, Uncut Gems, definitely go see that. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Um, 1917, if you can find it. Little Women's out there, go see that, and A Hidden Life, uh, Terrence Malick's film is out yep. there now in limited release too, but I really like it, so I hope it gets an audience because this movies, you know, they're on, they're out there. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. With all that, that's gonna do it for this week's episode about Now with Aaron and Abe. You can follow everything I do over at my personal blog at codeazik.com. Um. I have a few lists coming out this week. Um. One on my favorite movie moments of the year. That's gonna be on we live, we live entertainment.com. And my top ten films written list. That's gonna be on whysoblue.com. Mm-hmm. And you can find me on Twitter at Aaron's PS4.
0: Uh, you can find more of my stuff over at uh, Instagram abe.mua, and twittercom walrusmoose. hashtag Happy
1: Early New Year. Yes, Happy Early New Year indeed. Oh. Um, so yeah, you can find all the other you can find all the other episodes of out now out there today on iTunes, Audio Boom, Spotify, and Stitcher.
0: H H W L O D, SoundCloud, or Podomatic.
1: Uh, feel free to email us at outnetpodcasts at gmail.com,
0: Facebook.com/slash_outnetpodcast, slash or Twitter.com/slash_outnet underscore podcast.
1: And of course, Instagram.com, slash I know underscore podcast as well. Yeah. Um, we did it! <laughs> we did it!
0: We did the last uh, new releases of the year.
1: Yeah, this was fun. Yeah, let's uh, we'll we'll cap it all off with our uh, top ten show next week. But until next time, so long and goodbye.